Hey everyone, what is up? I'm Colin Nab, and you're listening to Artist Aesthetic, a podcast dedicated to exploring the visual side of the music world to create a better understanding of artists, their relationship to their visual aesthetic, and the story behind the visual art accompanying their music. There is a... You know, there's a, somebody who's working in fucking numbers. There's somebody who's working in accounting who, like, if they could just, like, paint some brush strokes, like, their soul would, like, jump for joy. But at the same time, there's also a bunch of people who are kind of, like, selfishly indulging themselves in their own creativity as the world, like, burns. What is up, Koyan Clan? Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Today I've got Austin Waz with me. He plays guitar and synths, and he sings in a band called Analog Dog. They're one of my favorite bands out right now. Uh, I love your material. Austin, thanks for joining me on today's podcast. Of course. Stoked to be here. Thanks for having me, man. Something that really interests me with your music is, um, and we were, we were just talking about this a little bit before the podcast, um, about you delve into a lot of different genres. You have, um, like you just released the, um, the one song, Disco Danny, and that, you know, disco. Um, I've, I've heard definite like jazz influences at points in, in your stuff. Uh, uh, you know, your old Dakota album is very progressive and, and it's psychedelic feel. And just, I'm really, and I, I especially get like, uh, 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 just a sense of like the seventies, especially, I feel like a lot, I see, I hear a lot of seventies influences. I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious, uh, if, uh, to hear what artists like you listen to, uh, you know, as a, as a kid or young adult, like what, what music did you listen to that influenced you to have such a broad, uh, taste in music? Yeah, so that's great. That's a great start off. Um, Because I do think it's kind of like a defining characteristic of the project of Analog Dog, you know, what we call like genre fluidity, or like, you know, post genre music, Um, you know, which I think you'll see more and more of as as the years go on, people will like start to like abandon genres and continue to kind of do their own melding. But for me, I mean, yeah, the, the early influences are huge. There's definitely like a narrative arc to it where like, you know, like subconsciously, okay, if I do it from like, from like year to year, it's like from, you know, before I ever made a choice, right? Like, so let's say like to eight years old is when I, you finally kind of get like a little bit of a sense of like what you personally want to listen to. But like my parents' music was just like, you know, the shit, like Crosby, Stills and Nash, Steely Dan, Beatles, Pink Floyd, Beach Boys, like my parents listened to such good music, you know, Carol King, like, I love, you know, obviously, when you say 70s, like, that's like, yeah, like, that is like, definitely like the decade that continues to just kind of come up in our writing process. Um, but yeah, it was, it was those artists, like, were foundation, Neil Young, like, Neil Young is probably like the most, maybe not now, but like, through my kind of like, coming on to like, being an artist, and writing music, like, Neil Young was like, the guy because he just did whatever he felt like doing and his voice was his own. And, you know, that was like huge for me, but, you know, so that was like up to like, right. Like that's like subconscious influences, just like hearing those fucking melodies and harmonies, like that all became so ingrained in me. And then around eight to 10 to 12, you know, like it was all hip hop, like, you know, hip hop and pop, like, 
50 Cent, Eminem, uh, first Kanye West record, um, Outkast, shit, you know, like um, Snoop Dogg, like at that point in my life, like it was like all hip hop and pop, you know, I would listen to 92.5 Kiss FM um, under my pillow at night um, and just like listen to all the top hits. I just loved, I loved, um, you know, in, in that time, whatever, early 2000s, I loved like the mainstream stuff that was coming out. I just loved it. Um, and then, you know, we started getting into like Tony Hawk video games were like a huge, um, like this was like a breakthrough for underground music. Like me and my brothers would play Tony Hawk PlayStation video games. And so skateboarding was like a, definitely a part of like my like musical understanding of just like, okay, like skateboarding is like raw and real. And like here are these like underground tracks. Now I'm getting introduced to like atmosphere and like early Red Hot Chili Peppers stuff you know, and all the stuff I had never heard that's derivative of my parents' interests, um, you know, and, and so that, like, started to really inform uh, me was, like, those days. I mean, again, Chili Peppers also became, like, the, you know, along with, like, I'd say, like, Neil Young and Pink Floyd. Neil Young, Pink Floyd, Steely Dan, and the Chili Peppers are probably, like, the kind of top, like, um, subconscious and conscious influences. Like, I became obsessed with you know, I live in California because I like read about Anthony Kiedis being in California. In you know, I was oh, I'm going there. Like, I, obviously, I'm going to go there. You know, this is what I'm going to do. Um, so you know, all those things melded within me, and I think that that is like really what I'm trying to tap into with Analog Dog is that like I can you know, and if you heard the Pretty In Between record, there's like a literal rap song at the end. You know, and I used to actually. Like, at the beginning like I was like oh I'm gonna do like rap you know like ASAP was my first rap name in fourth grade I was like oh I'm gonna be a rapper um so you know it's and you know we don't like do like too much like hip-hop infused but you you do feel the um the broad cultural and musical elements in the music because I'm not like one-dimensional you know and I feel like that's what I'm trying to get out with analog dogs like it might be better, it might be easier to market, and maybe one day there's a pivot where it's like, okay, it's just going to be psych rock, and it's going to be a little bit more like when you listen to a Tame Impala record, you'll hear, like, this is just like Tame Impala sound all the way through, but, like, I feel personally, and, and, and I'm with, you know, all, the, all these other songwriters in Analog Dog that, like, we're just old something more unique than that, something that's kind of, like, touches on all these genres, because, like, I love to listen to, you know, alternative r&b when i'm in the right mood and i love to listen to a good hip-hop song when i'm in the right mood and then i love my classic jazz fusion steely dan prog rock stuff and i love listening to some folk when i'm in the right mood and, and i just feel like i wanna i feel like i have a voice that i can channel all of those things and it's authentic to me to challenge channel them you know it's not like putting on a face like i actually just feel like with however many genres i just like feel right when i sing it so I just feel like maybe that's kind of what can be unique about our project. So in that way, yeah, that that's cool that you picked up on that because that's like a big, uh, that's a big part of like what I'm trying to cultivate um, is a sense of like, you, I don't, I'm not just like rock, you know, and I don't feel just like rock. And so that's like, uh, you know, but like I said, it's like, there might be a turn, there might be an album where it's like, oh, this is eight songs of psych rock and that's totally cool. But I just want the doors to be open is what's important to me. Like I want to, if I feel a song, and it's like dad boy indie pop or it's like more of like got like you know an electronic beat behind it it's like more of a dance like i just want to be able to follow that and not be like oh well, that's not in the lane of the band you know so yeah that's that's the that's the bit there that's the rundown yeah i i i also um 
you know, you're talking about like I you don't just want to be um like I think I think you said psychedelic. You might have said progressive. <laughs> I, right. I say, but um, I, I know you were talking about um, you don't want to just be known for like that sort of sound. Like we were talking about the Oda Oh Dakota stuff, and like that's really good. But you don't just want to be known for like this sort of stuff. And, and I'll I'll definitely tell you like um as a fan, uh, when I listen to your stuff, I don't get that feeling at all. Like I I, I really can like it's. I, to me personally, it's really uh, uh, clear, like all that. There's like a lot of different uh, um, influences going on. It's not just um, you know progressive or psychedelic or you know, like you know, you just released like a you know your disco song and you you're constantly trying different things. And um, I you know you're talking about listening to all these uh, different genres um, and. Um, uh, that resonates with me a lot because um, that's kind of, you know, obviously um, I got into music the same way you said you did at the beginning. And uh, most people do, you know, you you hear your parents' music. And mm -hmm. um, luckily for me, my my dad has a kick-ass taste in music and it's broad. So mm -hmm. I, I listen to um, a lot of stuff uh, early. I didn't really get into music. See, I... I I didn't get into music though really until um like 15 um but mm -hmm. but um you know so i started with the same sort of thing uh you know we got a lot of earlier stuff progressive and um you know just hard rock and, and then i started to listen to like metal myself and i started to listen to um I, I more recently I've been listening to more folk and pop than I had recently. Mm -hmm. And I, I guess, um, uh, my, my point here is that I also feel like when you listen to all these different genres and you listen to all this different music, it allows you to have a better appreciation, uh, as a whole for music and like just what's going on. Um, yeah, I, so like what you're saying, definitely, because like most people couldn't like pull off a lot of what you're doing because they just don't have that that mute they're not like embedded into like you know music and like the 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 different styles and stuff that much and that's one of the big things i've always really appreciate uh appreciated uh with your band and your music um uh, uh another thing you were talking about um you know you and, and your band members um, are all writing the songs. I just, I, I, I read this somewhere, but I just wanted to ask you so you could like explain this a little bit and get into it a little bit because mm -hmm. I thought it was really interesting how you guys, your your newest band met and became, well, you came, half of you came from one band, but I, I, I just like, I think it's a really interesting story. <laughs> so yeah. I just love if you could tell that story to. For sure. For sure, yeah. So, um, I was I moved to San Francisco in 2016, um, and I pretty quickly got a job at a place called Music City Rehearsal, and I worked there for like three and a half years. Uh, I was laid off like right before the pandemic, so I basically worked there, you know, and that was like right after college for me. So I, kind of my whole like adult uh, career, like working. Uh, or like a real job out of school has was just at this music city rehearsal which is like 
it was a rehearsal space in the basement and uh, hotels upstairs. And we did all these community events and it was just like such a multifaceted, we had in studio, like live recording stuff. We did tons of like, did tons of like video and kind of like, I did like media, you know, a lot of media stuff for them, you know, cutting videos, promotional videos and stuff. And so I just started to meet so many people there, you know, like I went there got that job and I was just like meeting people all the time. I was like, okay, like constantly sifting out, like, okay, who's my, like, where's my crew, you know, where's my tribe. And like, um, I started a band called pretty in between, uh, kind of like maybe like less than a year after being in the city. Uh, I found my drummer. He was fucking practicing for, uh, like, a uh, that's cruise cruise ship, uh, uh, like a cruise ship cover band he was going to try out for. And I heard him playing. He sounded really good. And I was like, yo, like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm going to, like, travel. And I was just like, fuck that. Like, you want to be in a band <laughs> instead, you know? And so we started uh, just, like, kind of having sessions together. And just, like, that became pretty in between. Um, I met my bassist there as well, um, who, who, you know, was just wonderful guy who like I looked into his eyes and like saw my like best friend from Toledo like reminded me so much of him so I was just like oh wow this is perfect okay I see you I see this other guy like let's do it so we were making music for a couple years um you know and we wrote like 11 songs and we played them fucking in and out like got them so tight and that was like inevitably what became the record um the pretty in between the self-titled record like the only record that we'll do is that um and i'm super stoked with how it came out so so that was pretty in between and and so i met a fellow his name is rob nicole and he was practicing at music city and this is a funny one where it's like he was um he was like taking too long one night to like close out like he was just like in the studio i you know, I told him, Hey, time's up, you know? And then like 10 minutes later I came in and like, they were still like wrapping up. And I just remember the first time I met this dude, I was like, yo, like time's up, like get the hell out of here, you know? And so we started to, we got booked on a show together randomly, you know, um, at this like little bar in San Francisco. And I was like, Oh, Hey, it's you. Like, what's up, man? Like, you know, and I remember him walking into the studio and being like, Oh, like, I like this guy, even though I was like, get the fuck out of the studio. You know, you gotta, you gotta run a heart, you know, it's like, can't take advantage of time. But either way, I just remember being like gravitated towards this person. First time I saw him, I was like, Oh, I, I like this guy's look. He's got a vibe. seems like he's got it together. So I saw his band play. He saw my band. We opened up for him, you know, and afterwards, like, there was definitely, like, a big mutual respect. And just, like, he was just, like, oh, like, if you ever want to do anything, like, let me know. Like, I'd be really down to, like, you know, vibe with your stuff. And so I thought nothing of it at the time. I was, like, you know, I'm keep, you know, whatever. Great. Appreciate that. But I got my own bands. Fine. So a couple of years go in. And, you know, it's pretty in between. You know, you get, like, everybody I play with is always older than me, you know, and which is great because they're all, like, I, I definitely, like, to attract pretty proficient musicians like everybody i play with is mostly technically better than me which is wonderful like i need that kind of around me um and so you know those guys were so talented but you know the dude the drummer was like a silicon valley banker you know so it's just like it's like people's pride like you know like i have in that way i have no other career prospects like i have no interest in anything else at all and i don't want to do anything else so rubber meets the road and people just can't really hang because like everybody wants it to happen and they want you to lead them there, but they don't really want to quite put in the work to be like, no, like you'd have to like literally give up your life to make this happen. Cause like I told you earlier, it's like everybody wants this piece of a pie, you know? Yeah. So long story short there, pretty between starts to fall apart. I'm like, I got to fucking like, I got to make a move. Like what am I going to do? You know, I was like, I, we were still like, you know, 
it was in a limbo, but I knew like energetically, I was like, I need to like cut off from this. Like this isn't working for me anymore. And so we started to play with Rob's group called the Tangelos. Um, you know, we started to play one or two shows. I, I saw his saxophone player and his keyboard player and I was blown away. And I was like, I got to go talk to that guy. I was like, yo, you are amazing. Like you're, you're the best musician in this room tonight. Like, I just want to say you're great. And I was like, if you ever want to do anything, like, just let me know. And this dude shows up the next day at Music City, like with his saxophone, like what's up? And I'm like, oh, you're, you're in, you're down. So he became part of Pretty In Between. So now all of a sudden Tangelo's and Pretty In Between are sharing a member and we're playing shows together. And I describe it like a, like a whirlpool, you know, or just like, if you think of like a, an eye of a storm, just starting to kind of circle around itself, you know? And we had like a fateful weekend where we went out to, um, sonora which is kind of north in california and we had these gigs get canceled we were going to play two shows together out there uh both like our both of our bands and so we got an airbnb these gigs got snowed out and so we just like all kind of got together we took acid um we brought our musical equipment we brought like an electronic drum kit and shit and so we had all of our gigging equipment and we had like other stuff we were prepared to kind of like just like chill out at this airbnb anyways and so we just like took acid and we all jammed like seven musicians, you know, in a room um, and we all jammed and we started kind of, you know, some, some seeds were actually laid for songs that like, I'm actually still working. I'm, I'm like still going to get, you know, working on the recording of, of a song that uh, Rob kind of showed me a little chord progression that day. And I took it and I turned it into a song, excuse me, I turned it into a song that night. So there was just this fusion and, and I kind of knew I needed to make a move. And so like with all those people in the room, I was like, oh, like, you know, like this, like basically what happened was is I I kind of cut off pretty in between and I looked at the Tangelos and I said, yo, like I'm gonna, you know, Rob and I kind of made an agreement, like I'm gonna come over and I'm gonna move into your studio and I'm gonna move into your band and I'm gonna like take this in a new direction, you know, because like they had their own thing, more of a jam band thing. You know, Rob's more into like the fish vibe, um, which, you know, I got mad respect for. But like I definitely play a little bit more like pop oriented kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of the stories that I kind of like moved in. And I was like, yo, like uh, it's just, it, you know, it was basically there was four members in the Tangelos and I just became the fifth. And I was like, OK, we're going to like we're going to like start from scratch, though. Like I'm not like joining your band. Like we're you know, we're kind of we're going to all come together here and we're going to kind of like reform this in the way that it works and, and uh yeah that was the story it was like really um pretty cool like energetic whirlpool that we found ourselves in so um i don't know if i missed any pieces i know i've said some things in articles about that but um yeah that was kind of how it all went down and and it definitely with rob and i you know there's just like a really deep like we just like are very similar and very different in a lot of ways. And we just kind of, we really have this kind of like soul brother connection where like we want the same thing, which is just like to play a bunch of music and to make people dance and make people feel something. And he's like a spiritual dude. And, you know, we talk a lot about the nature of the universe and Buddhism and, and, you know, how through music and meditation, we can like, tap into like a more real experience on earth so you know in that way we're aligned and that's like incredibly important for me um because like i like i've said it's like yeah music is like this really deep deep spiritual practice to me it's like a meditation and and i think it's all about like making people's blood you know like 
like you know giving you the shivers like we've all gotten that from music and like i think anybody who's you know anybody who's gotten that feeling like i know that when i'm in my right heart and mind like i can give that feeling and so it's just like it's about that you know it's about transcendence it's about like how do you make people feel that like there's more to life than like the average moment like how do you make people feel like life is magical and special and it's it's about something much greater than like just this earth plane you know and so in that way like being connected to somebody like that is just like so fucking important to me and um you know i've had that all my life in bands um but like this feels just like the right brain and the left brain are meeting you know we're like as business savvy as we are spiritual and so we can like kind of you know we've created a little little uh little monster here <laughs> but yeah that's the story that's how it went that's how it goes yeah that's that's really interesting and i um you know you're talking about uh you know making music that resonates with people and i you know like that that moment like you were talking about um where like you know you can really it really resonates with you certain moments where you hear like the right thing um Mm -hmm. and uh definitely there's a special experience when when you find that right song um Mm -hmm. so yeah i definitely agree with you on that do your 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 recordings um most of your recordings are really nice. You said you worked at a studio, right? Well, it's more of a rehearsal studio, not a recording studio. Okay, I gotcha. Mm-hmm. Where did you Where did you record your songs? Just well, so you know, so there's all well for Analog Dog specifically. We recorded our first eight songs. So we did two singles, and then we did a six song EP, and those were all done at what's called Hyde Street. Hyde Street Studios. Um, there's two buildings that Hyde Street occupies. Hyde Street is a very famous studio in San Francisco, like Grateful Dead. Uh, you know, some records there. Like uh, some of the other names escape yeah. me at the moment, but just like big, big, some big records were made there. Crosby, Stills, and Nash recorded it there. Familiar. Like, it's familiar. Yeah, Hyde Street's a pretty familiar. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you might have heard of it. But we recorded a lot of stuff there at first. Um, you know, we did it pretty old school way. The first couple, the first eight songs, um, we like did it all in the room together, except for vocals, you know, and all the guitars and stuff were done. And and we, you know, we, we recorded all there and then we would do some overdubs, but like the first kind of record was really like, other than like, I went back and I retracked being a band guitars at home. I started to do more studio recording stuff or like more in our studio recording stuff. But I, we, yeah, we just like went in and did it that way. And like, that was fun. I'll probably never do it that way again because, you know, like my favorite artists, like Tam Impala, Unknown Motor Orchestra, like they're not like booking studio time and like, just like, you know, like I need to like be able to do my shit like a hundred times over and I need to be able to do it with like the phase pedal on or off or I need to be like, okay, is distortion on or off? Like I want 10 takes and I want like distortion and phase on this guitar. And Trial I want, and like, error, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. 
yeah, I need so much more space than like, okay, we're going to go in and I'm going to record my part. It's like, no, like I, I'm like a recording artist in that way now where like I really, you know, I've got all the right equipment. Um, so Disco Danny is like, and, and all of our next upcoming singles, like that was like self-produced. Um, like I recorded all the drums for that, like off of all the drum mics that I bought kind of or like, you know, sourced, like I've been paying attention for a long enough time to where like Disco Danny was like, oh, like I can actually like, produce a professional product like you know with with the tools that i have um and obviously our, our my my bassist steven did a lot of like production work there with drum samples and stuff but um you know disco danny is all um i recorded like every element of that synthesizers you know i mean other than bass and like we tracked rob's guitar but i tracked all of like pretty much all of the instruments like with my micing techniques and, and, you know, um, all of that stuff. So Disco Danny is kind of the new way that we're going to do things. Um, because I just like, am obsessed with control in that way, you know, and just like going into a studio and doing shit live. is like great, but yeah, you can't replicate it again. Like I can't like go in and be like, you know what? I'd like to change like this note on the guitar, but like, and now I can just do that whenever. Um, so yeah, we, we self, produce now which i think is the future i think a lot of a lot of people do that now you know you do your own recording if you can if you have the means um and so yeah that's that's where things are turning um you know yeah i and i i definitely we were talking a little bit before the podcast about like independent artists and Mm -hmm. stuff i definitely uh agree i think that's the direction that things are heading um Mm -hmm. I have a question about uh, Disco Danny, and then I wanted to get into your Otakota album a little bit before um, eventually, yeah, before getting into like more visual st- uh, 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 shit, because that's what the podcast is about. So I got to get right, into right, right. some visual stuff. But um, I had a few more questions before that. Uh, first, is, yeah. there, is there a reason you put Disco Danny into two parts? Yeah, for sure. There's a really, really uh, calculated reason for that. So. We wrote Disco Danny, um, you know, it started as just like, so this is a good, so okay, so so without overextending the question, Disco Danny is the kind of thing that starts with like the first chords you hear, dun, 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 dun. you know, Jason plays that, and then I go, oh shit, like that's fucking awesome, like, okay, now play that same kind of like movement, but put it down the fourth, right? So and that's like, dun, 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 right? So it's like, that's how the song comes together. And so it's just those two chords, right? And we're just like, okay, this is fucking sweet. From there, we start to work it, we work it. You know, we we put in, and so musically, this will be interesting to any musicians. Like, so the song, the basic movement is is one, one, two, or excuse me, so it's, it's four to one. So it's G to D, right? But then our kind of like little bridge thing is like in F major seven. So that's interesting. That's like a non, it's called a non-diatonic. So we've got that and we've got this like basic song structure. And we're like, oh, this is pretty cool. But, you know, Steven kind of at one point was like, well, this is cool. But like, what is like different about this song? Like, why is this song unique other than just like a pop song with like a 4-1 movement? You know, like a fun, and it's, I'm kind of like, oh, I don't really have an answer for that. So Steven writes this like kind of breakdown, you know, you know, he writes this like heavy part, and then I write this like you know the the very like inner speaker tame and poly the you know this bridge which like has again kind of what you call non diatonic chords like if anybody's know what that is then whatever I'm speaking to the musicians but but 
you know, then we get into three, four time signature in the bridge. So we're like starting to do these things of like, oh, wow, now this is a really unique track. So we finish it and we're like, God fucking damn it. Like we have this curse as a band, which we've gotten much better at, but like we can't write a song under like four or five minutes. Like, and this thing is like now six minutes and a half long. And I'm just like, okay, like, you know, I live in a real world. So it's like, I have to be able to market this thing. I have to be able to package it. And the most important thing for music these days is getting it on Spotify playlists or getting it on whatever yeah. playlists, you know? And so part one and two was kind of a happy medium between like, oh, like Disco Danny part one is a full song, you know? Like we heard it like right at the end of that first, like what I call the chorus is just like, okay, it's done. And part two is the deep cut. It's the avant-garde. Part two is the, the you know? So we basically cut it up to be palatable to like a playlisting circuit, you know? Um, and that's working out pretty okay. Um, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, obviously if you like part one, you're going to see that that says part one and you're going to go seek part two, you know, like clearly, like if you're really into it, you're like, Oh, it's part one. Like where's part two. Um, so the, the, the move was strictly kind of made on, on the foresight that, um, that the internet like rules all, <laughs> you know? And, and, and um, at first I was kind of adverse to it. I was like, oh, no, you know. But then I was like, oh, it's cool. It's like a concept single, you know. It's like we give you everything you want if you're like just kind of like a baseline listener. And then like if you want the depth, if you want the crunch and the and the, the avant-garde, we, we do that for you too in part two. So, yeah, that was the, that was the thought process there. It's like the single cut. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The single cut versus the, you know, exactly. That's precisely it, yeah a little bit different of a circumstance but um it slightly reminds me of like the idea of like um you know the wall and he in waters yeah. cut cut yeah. happiest days of our lives in another brick part two now both of those right. both of those get plates is a little bit different of a circumstance a little bit but it's the same sort of idea about like splitting a song um definitely to make it definitely. more marketable. It's, it's cool that you mentioned that because like i definitely like you know, it's like, yeah, everybody here is like, you know, another brick in the wall part two. And like, you know, when you go back to like part one and you hear for the first time, you're just like, holy shit. Like, yeah, it definitely has that. That's cool. That you bring that up. Cause that was definitely like always stuck with me to hear the, the, the other parts of that song and be like, oh man, here's the background. Here's like the story, you know? And I guess with analog dog, it's like part two is like the background where it's like, oh, like this is like where these guys like really come from. You know, like this is like this pop song that they've made because they like we know how to tap into like pop now. But like when you hear part two, you're like, oh, this is like what's kind of underneath is like a desire to be progressive and nuanced. And so, yeah, like I said, I hope that we can just continue to balance that tightrope and, and do something cool, you know? Yeah. Uh, speaking of um, progressive, uh, I just wanted to get a little bit into um, cause you know, like I was telling you this before the podcast, my favorite album of yours is the Odakota, um, mm -hmm. album. And you, you told me before the podcast that you started that it was like five years in the making, you said, right. Um, yeah. you started when you were like 20 or 21, you said, can I, can you tell us a little more about the story behind that album and what went into that? Yes, gladly. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so Otakota was like a super special project um, in that like kind of as I said to you, like 
it was, you know, I come from a super artistic way of like at the at first, like music was non-quantifiable. Like all these things I just said to you earlier about about time signatures, three-fourths and, and non-diatonic. I knew nothing about anything at first. I knew nothing about it. So there were no bounds. Like when you look at like, you know, right now you're probably recording on whatever, whatever audio saw, DAW. I'm you recording know. on OBS right now. Right, right. So, so whatever it is, I'm not sure exactly what that is, but like all, most all recording things are going to show you like a grid, right? And they're going to show you bars. Like I had no understanding of bars, of time, of um, key. Like I had no knowledge. Like for the longest time, I didn't even know the names of most of the chords I was playing. Like, but I got really into it really fast. Like I started making records. I started playing guitar at 16. Um, and I started making records about like 17, like in my room. Like I was just like, I heard it. I heard all of it in my head. I didn't need to know what anything was called. I just learned some covers from my favorite artists and I started to pick up the shapes in the guitar. And then I would like move my fingers a little bit and I'd be like, Oh, like I can hear, like I was playing like complex chords pretty quickly because I could just like, I would move my fingers and I would hear like, Oh, like, yeah, if you move that there, like, whoa, what's that sound? And I'm like, oh, it's actually called a major seventh chord. Like, I don't figure that out till years later, but I'm I'm starting to figure these things out on my own. And so, Otakota was like the um the total expression of somebody who didn't who knew that they didn't know, you know, but but like wasn't afraid, you know. So in that way, like, we wrote like we wrote like forty songs as a band before that record before we even started that record i met my best friend sanjay in college uh and we had a drummer who i met sanjay through and i was just like i just would write so many songs like and it's funny i'll have to show you like i would i'll send you my like first like bedroom um records after this they're there if you've never heard them um it would be interesting for you to hear them but like yeah the the essence of that project was like that I was on a totally spiritual trip with music. Like it, it, it was just, it commanded my, my being like, it's all I wanted. Like, you know, the world to me still is like, God forbid I ever have to figure something else out because like I, I have the thought of functioning in the world without just writing songs all the time and just obsessing over how to, how they go and recording them. It's just like, I don't, I have no other, I don't have a lot of interest in the world beyond that because you know, it's, it's, well, I do, but my point being is, is that it, it is my lifeblood, you know, it's my force. And like, Otakota was this period in college, you know, like you're so free in college if you're, if you're lucky enough, you know, like me, where it's like, I had the time to really delve into my art. And so Otakota was like, you know, we wrote like 40 songs before that record. And those half of them didn't even really get recorded. You know, we, we, we just wrote for the music. We practiced hours and hours every week and we just played like i had no plan i had no there was literally not an ounce of like capitalistic sense about it at all you know it was just all about like it feels right so i'm just going to keep doing it you know and the songs would just come out of my ears you know um and so we wrote you know we wrote like 50 songs 40 songs and we played them and we play shows and we had this great time and then so we got a new drummer and my one of my best friends um, at the time, his name is Brian Solis. Long story short, like 
our radio station that I was super involved in, that I was there all the time, like our practice space was in the radio station. They get this fucking grant from the university. They find this clause from 1980 that says like 77, basically like the radio station is owed millions of dollars because of this clause that somebody found. It's like, oh, yo, like student students voted that like every every student, like for every student enrolled at the university, uh, the radio station gets a dollar. And so that had gone on for like 30 years without anybody realizing like, oh, yo, like nobody's been paying the radio station. So we were we went from having a $7,000 budget a year to a $77,000 budget a year. So my best friend at the time, his name's Brian. He's an audio engineer, mad scientist, like knows all of his shit. People are like, yo, let's build a recording studio. And Brian's like, yo, like I'll do it. And he's like, half the reason I'm going to do it is so that like you guys can record a record. You know, so that was like profound to me like you know there have been a few people in my life who who along the way have just given me that confidence that i needed and they're not tons you know I've, I've got some fans but i i i don't have i don't think for people like you i have probably a lot less fans than you fucking think but point being i do find these people who are like oh i will build a studio for you and i'm you know like change my life so dude builds a studio at the time i'm taking a course called music in world war one um, or maybe it was music in World War II, or maybe it was both. But the point is, is I'm studying classical music a little bit at the time, and I'm getting really into how music is long form in the past, right? Like movements. I'm getting into like, okay, like there's three minute songs, but like, what about like these 40 minute pieces that like use a piano to sound like, uh, you know, like like a street a street uh, noises in the street. You know, I'm, I'm getting really into this idea of like music way beyond just these three minute songs with guitars and melody, like. How can instruments convey more like broader concepts? So I was like, okay, like, you know, I won't get in too much to the symbolism. It's funny you say the aesthetic, but like the color of what is, is my idea of like, if you were to like take a picture of the universe, right? Like we see those like star pictures, you know, of the galaxies. Like if you were to look at the universe in a two-dimensional sphere or like a two-dimensional plate, you would see that like everything that has happened in time can kind of be like can be seen in a two-dimensional way this this becomes very hard to explain but my point is is that like i got the sense that like that that something like incredible like circular something very circular could be expressed through music you know if you can like it's you know obviously um the wall pink floyd or 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 um 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 what's you know what's the big one what's oh my god this is like my favorite album uh dark side of the moon you know like obviously dark side of the moon when you when you weave all these songs together you get this like you get this time, you know, this, this timeless effect and you get this looping effect that it's all connected. And so that was my bit was like, you know, I just like saw that the, the, the universe in every being, every single thing that has ever happened is all connected. And it all had to go almost exactly how it did for us to be in this moment. Right. Like I started to really trip out on this where it's like 4.6, however many billion years ago, all the stardust that was around all of the elements they all came together to like then like 200 years ago like your parents 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 had to meet at the exact time and place that they did for you to be alive and then their parents you know what i mean they had to have the exact child with the exact dna to then meet your parents parents you know what i mean i started to just like get really really into this idea of totality that like everything is connected that like we are all this vibrational field uh, in space that is like so part of a oneness, such an obvious thing. And so that was like the color of what is, you know, and, and the other like huge thesis, um, I think yeah, I'll stop. Ramp- I know I get really excited about this one. But the other big thesis was about um, 
was about particularly Native Americans and being indigenous. Now, this one is like really, really tricky because my 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 viewpoints have evolved a lot since I kind of took this name. Otakota meant friend, from what I understood in the Sioux language. You know, Sioux the Sioux people are of the North Dakota and South Dakota plains, and they're kind of like the most like iconic in America. You know, like the teepees and the buffalo, like that all kind of comes from the from the uh, this the Sioux tribes of the of the Great Plains, and so I was raised going to national parks and and like listening to kind of like certain kind of like Native American flute music was like part of my understanding. So like I always felt very very connected to these ideas of of being like Native, you know. And this kind of shit gets re- this is the kind of shit like I have to be very careful with how I explain this because I would have never done this like now. But as a 20-year-old, I I knew that I was following something like pretty pretty legitimate. So the thesis was that everybody is indigenous, you know? Not everybody's a native american per se, but if if you if you think about this again gets tricky. And I'm going to like we all we have lost so we've so much lost touch with a a indigenous sense of self. Because we are all, you know what I mean. Like, as a as a white person, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm Irish and I'm I'm French or I'm German and I'm I'm mostly Polish. And but when I trace those roots back farther and farther and farther, at one point, I'm a part of a lineage of people who lived off the land, lived off the soil, you know, made made life in the natural world. And I had this really strong sense in college that like I was supposed to like, like I felt, I just felt this connection to this concept of, of indigenousness. And like, I followed that bliss and I particularly, you know, I studied a lot about native American cultures and, and the plight of, you know, obviously imperialism, like there's so much I can get into. Like, you know, if I, if you're listening, and you don't know this, like I am at its essence, I'm an anti-capitalist. Like I think that we need, at the bare minimum, we need a socialist government. And I think that, honestly, the big project, the big idea was like, we need the restoration of indigenous uh, rights in this country. This thing called tribal sovereignty. And tribal sovereignty is the idea that like the that the Native American tribes of the United States would be granted, like they would become their own countries essentially, and they would be able to navigate with power. And I always, I just had this really big idea that like okay like if you give native american people back their power and their land like then the united states will have to like they will have to you know they'll have to like work with this government like it was their own and then it's like wow well like then you can't really be polluting the air so much if you have another country that says no you can't you know you have to like barter with us you have to so i had this like really crazy you know i think that's a wonderful idea but like again my viewpoints have developed where it's like it's things are more complicated than i thought they were but that's that's maybe a part that you never heard. But the idea was that um, that something fundamentally needs to change in our society. And I only knew how to make music, you know, and I did a, like a lot of political activation and stuff like that. And, and I still hold very true to this idea that we all have indigenous roots and that we are cut off from our spirituality. We're cut off from our connection with the earth when we like it's very like the whiteness thing to just be like, Oh, I'm white, you know? And it's like, well, you know, it's perfect for the white man to have no connection to the land. And he, he, he thinks that he's, 
just you know like such a civilized like whatever being and i think that that's like kind of toxic i think that we're all connected to mother earth i think that we all have like tribal ancestors you know if you know about the history of humanity we we come from diaspora like we all come from you know africa basically and we've just spread out from there so you know it's like without getting too dense on those topics like I really believe in a sense of um, universal spirituality that um, I think like through my Native American studies, like I really felt that that what they proposed about the world was undeniable in that like there is this concept of like a mother earth and there is like we are connected with the land and we must like work in, you know, in cooperation with with the earth, which, which is why we're obviously being devastated right now. It's the whole idea. It's like obvious, like, you know, we're raping the earth constantly, like, and it's going to come to or continuously. It's going to be some really hard shit to swallow because we're out of, we're totally out of whack with indigenous living, which is giving and getting, you know, we're just taking and taking and taking and so, you know, all these like really overwhelming things like, and this, you know, really kind of like, and and it was inevitably it's kind of problematic for like a white guy to be like oh oh dakota like friend like i'm going to be an ally to the native americans and i'm going to kind of like take this name and you know inevitably it's something that i'm still kind of like whoa it's a lot but if you listen to the song tribal sovereignty on the record you'll see that like that is kind of lays out everything that i'm talking about and how like we are all inevitably part of the same tribe um and that tribe comes from the earth you know, like we are people of the earth, no matter how, whatever, no matter what beautiful villa you live in, in Los Angeles or Paris or however, how white or black or whatever different thing you consider yourselves are, we are all from the land. You know, we all come from planet earth and we are all connected to the great soul of the earth. And and I think that um, that I want to, yeah, I wanted to express that. So that was kind of like, those were the big factors of the project you know was it like we need to do something different we need to write songs that make people feel like the trip that i felt in my mind where it's like things aren't just you know things aren't just this little like perfect package in three minutes like things are messy they're complicated they leak they they you know they leak into each other they're fluid fluid is the word that was big you know um because i was just like always having these crazy spiritual experiences um in which i felt like like holy shit there's so much more to life like how do people not see it you know and so i was just like Dakota, the record is like it's like a, it's a it's a you know it's a shout of love it's a cry for help it's a it's a you know it's it's tons of confusion and it's tons of wisdom you know it's just like a kid who like was knew that with his whatever privilege and resources i had that i had to make really profound art and i i think that i've met a few people like you who have like picked up what i was putting down through that record and um that like means means the world to me so um yeah that may be those may be some pieces that you weren't aware of of that record but that's that's the big um those were all the things that were kind of happening and you know like i went to catholic school so it's like i'm just always like rebelling against the system like i have like really deeply intensely like anti-authoritarian uh concepts of life and and they're chilling out like i'm getting better at like adjusting to the world but those things were all converging and um it's just what came out you know those songs were just what 
came out you know it's like oh like well i like the sound of that mac demarco guitar and i also like want to like change the world with like a spiritual conception of like tribal sovereignty and a return to like um freedom of of humanity you know so it's it's as simple and as as grand as it was you know but yeah that's the story that's the vibe <laughs> yeah i i will tell you i'm not like super uh spiritual but i do agree with you that like people have kind of like lost touch with nature i i, I remember um I did, god i don't remember what uh what it actually was but it was like something about when the earth was forming like something happened like with like the way it was forming that there was like a one in billion one in a billion oh, yeah. chance that like it would be able to like inhabit like life and like it just like yeah. it happened by like i i do think that like there are a lot of like coincidence i don't want to say coincidental but like a lot of uh uh, uh, stuff that had to happen to get to this mm-hmm. moment um, and I do think that a lot of people kind of get out of touch with that I, I, I gotta get to the visual stuff so yeah. I, I'll try to keep the shirt yeah. but I, I do agree with you that I I think that um, people have kind of gotten out of touch with um, nature I, and I, I I agree with you with uh, without getting too um, political I, I do agree with you that like you're talking about um, being uh, you know, against authority, authority and anti-capitalist and stuff. And, and I kind of like feel you on that where it's kind of hard not to be to at least a certain extent with all the bullshit that's going on nowadays. Yeah. Like there's, yeah. there's so much, there's so much de- uh, devious, crooked things mm-hmm. going on. It's, it's insane. And I'm, I'm kind of, can kind of relate to you on, on that again, where like, I know like as a kid, I guess, you know i'm i'm 20 now and i guess like four years ago i you know five four five even three i would even say before the pandemic i really didn't truly understand how crooked things were until the pandemic and then it was really it's been really disillusioning but it just kind of is what it is you gotta to a certain extent you kind of have to rebel against it there's a lot of shit going on it's just not okay but um i don't want to definitely yeah, we don't have to go too much into that. I will say, I will just say, like, and I know, like, I, I definitely just went off into a, a bit of a thing there. But I think what I've found just quickly is that, yeah, one with, with you know, with the capitalism thing, that stuff's all odd. That's one where it's like cat's out of the bag there, and that's kind of what the cat's out of the bag EP. Like, that's what we meant was like cat is out of the bag in terms of like inevitable global warming. With like, you know, if you just look at the wealth distribution in this country alone. I mean, I'll tell you a couple facts. At least before the pandemic, 60% of people couldn't afford a $400 emergency medical expense, right? Or whatever. People couldn't afford a $400 emergency, like 60% of people in the country. That is fucking insane. 60% of people don't have 400 bucks. Like that is criminal when you look at this is the most wealth producing country in the world. You know, so if you've ever looked at a graph of the wealth disparity in the United States, that's all you need to say, you know, so I'll say that. And then with the spiritual stuff, I'll just say this, like, what's important is to find, like, I have no, I'm not into converting anybody on what I'm trying to say, because like what I'm saying, it's like, it's, I believe it's universal. And it can be, it's not about what happens next, or like, is there a God or is there not like, that's not the point. The point is knowing that like, like, you know, it's something like as simple as like love. Like if you felt love, if you know what love really feels like, you know, it's like that to me, that is like 
that's so beyond function, you know, that's so beyond eating or drinking or basic human needs. Like that gets into something that, you know, I just think is obvious. So in that way, it's like, yeah, there's no conversion, but to just to simplify it, like, I think that with spirituality, we get polarized because it's like people try and define it too much where I think that as a, as a species, hopefully we're getting onto a general sense that like, that there, I just don't prescribe to the idea that this is all random. I think that that is like, like you said about this, like one and however many billion chance for things to exist. I think that people try and use science to disprove the spirituality, but I'll, I'll leave it at this where it's like, I think if you really pay attention to where science goes and what it validates, you'll see that science often, I think, validates the idea of a spiritual existence because there's one question that science will never answer, and that is why, you know, and that we will always be stuck on the why. And so humanity will always be continuing to search for that answer, and they will not find it through science, uh, you know, which is, again, this is a good, and if they do, that's great, but this is. I think that my my only point is that people do too much like science versus spirituality when it's like the two are one. They're part, you know, like the yin and the yang. It's part of a process. So I'll leave it at that. I know that like, you know, maybe for, for if this is a non-spiritual podcast, I just blow up. But again, that's, 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 that's what, you know. Yeah, we're, we're anti-spiritual here. You got to get the fuck out of here, dude. No, I'm just kidding. No, I. Okay. I, yeah, I, go ahead. I feel like um I feel like for me I know for me I've been getting a little more I'm still not a lot I I wasn't at all until like the last few months I feel like the little spiritual I am has a lot to do with like uh appre- just appreciating understanding like what I want around and what's going on around me and like appreciating like you know, like you were right. talking about like um the chances of i i'm not as in tune with like um things not being cool you know and that's not because i don't think i just don't like really have i'm kind of neutral on that um right. i've never but but i think that regardless of whether it is coincidental or not coincidental like there still is like you still have to like appreciate like a lot of like things where the odds were not in like our favor or like your favor or my favor and, like you know like yes. or or like situations where you know, like those special moments and it's i feel like that um you, you know regardless of like why it happened it's uh there's a certain appreciation that you like kind of need to have to like truly appreciate life exactly but um <laughs> i don't know i, I gotta get on to some of this visual stuff because yeah. we're actually already over the time the podcast was supposed to be <laughs> but, right. but i i don't care i mean i could go i can go on with the podcast i'm really not that um I really don't care that much about like exceeding the time limit as long as like you don't have somewhere to be. But no, I'm good. Um, I'm good. Let's keep rolling. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, those you just ask good questions and 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 uh, thank you. I needed to give you. I needed to give you good answers. You know. Yeah, you got to give me the the full scoop. <laughs> I got to give you the real man. Okay, all right. Let's uh, um, let's move on to some aesthetic shit. Uh, I'll start with because we're just talking about Otakota. Um, I'll start with uh that is there a I, I imagine there must be some symbolism behind like the snake and it's like eating its tail and it's going around yeah what, what, what was the idea behind that right so this is great and this is again like the unavoidable the unavoidable spiritual essence of having a conversation with me that is called the Ouroboros and the Ouroboros is a concept that was developed you know throughout time in several different cultures but specifically 
10,000 years ago uh, in like India, there was like a conception of, and this is, you know, 10,000 years ago in India, a lot of things, a lot of interesting things happened. You know, uh, this is like, uh, you know, India has a very, a lot of significance in terms of like a spiritual world, but Ouroboros is a snake eating its own tail. And the idea of that is what's called eternal return. There is a concept of the universe that if you know Frederick Nietzsche or if you know some other um, philosophers in this vein, like the idea is that like that this has happened over and over again and it continues to happen. That life is kind of a a circle of experiences um, in so many ways. So again, it could be as simple as like, you know, I, my body's going to die and it's going to deteriorate into the soil. And then the earth is going to eat that soil and it's going to use to grow something, right? Like that's basic scientific, like undebatable fact, right? Like all, like what life does is it eats itself, right? Like a, like a, a, um, a cow is grown and I eat that cow and it becomes part of the circle of life. Like it's life and death is part of my life, right? So you know, there's conceptions in a lot of religious, particularly like Buddhist ideas is that like, it's like life is just eating itself. And if you think about that, that that's what's happening. You know what I mean? Like, a, 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 like we grow things to eat it, and then we inevitably will be eaten by the earth, you know, and, and eternal return was, you know, like I said, I was having I was having a lot of experiences in which like, I, I, I get a lot of deja vu. Um, like I have like really profound senses of deja vu. Um, and so I've just always felt like I have all these moments. Like the first song I ever wrote on my first record, Whale Sounds, was called like I've Been Here Before. Um, and so I have just I have this it's this conception is laid out. If you want to look into it, it's called Eternal Return or it's called the Ouroboros. But the idea is about infinity. Um, it's about kind of a never ending cycle of things or like kind of like returning back or the idea of like life is just life is death life is life eating itself you know death and life are one and um so those were like again like all these like really deeply profound uh things um and they're just embodied in that snake yeah the snake eating itself is uh, is uh you know the aesthetic is is that life is death and death is life and the two are inescapable there will always be pain and suffering as long as there is joy you know yeah I gotta. This isn't like the best segue, I guess, but I gotta ask this question because this yeah. is something that makes me really curious. Is yeah. so you already said earlier your uh, analog dogs EP is named "Cat Out of the Bag." Yeah, cat uh, out of the bag. Yeah. In the in in the music videos, you have like you know the animated. There's an animated and then an actual cat going around. Is that supposed to be? ironic because your name's analog dog but you're like have this cat and all your stuff is, that, is there like a yeah, sense of irony yeah, yeah yeah well that's funny too because that is like one of those things like a lot of my art is is um like going with the flow of like whatever i'm presented like a lot of my video editing i don't calculate like even a lot of those shoots like product paper music videos like I don't calculate a lot of stuff. Like I, sh I like to shoot it. Like, let's just like find a location and do whatever. And then like, I'll go back to the computer and I'll let, I'll let the shots like lead me. So the cat is a perfect example of like one day we're filming this fucking music video and we're at like a bodega in San Francisco getting like a whatever vitamin water. And this little cat is at the bodega and my girlfriend like films the cat and I just fall in love with the shot. I'm like, look at this fucking cat. Look at this beautiful, like, 
And then I'm just like, oh, like this cat, like analog dog, like I like this cat, like this cat is going to play a role in the music video. So it's like we had been shooting the music video. I had been like kind of a little deep into it. And then I was like, oh, like this cat, you know, I just like fell in love with this cat. And I was like, this cat is like, yeah, like you said, there is an irony there. of just like, oh, I love it. Like analog dog, you know, like and we're all men, you know, and like dog is like a masculine kind of idea. And so I love balancing it out with this like feminine idea of the cat. And um, so, yeah, I was like called my buddy Lige and I was like, you know, like, let's fucking animate this cat and let's have this cat go on these like series of adventures kind of thing, you know. So, yeah, the cat is um, is there is an irony to it. Yes. Yes. Is. But I... it... oh, I'm sorry. Well, I was just saying, yeah, it can't it wasn't calculated, though, like this. There was a literal cat and I was like, oh, this cat, this is they gave me the idea, you know, like the cat itself was like, oh, you're the cat like you exist. <laughs> Yeah, I gotcha. Um, sometimes that's where like the best things happen. Sometimes, sometimes the best things are like un- unintended. Just oh yeah, in, you know, you get you get an opportunity. You know, well, yeah, I would just say too. Musically, it's like some of the best fucking chord progressions or changes I ever wrote was because I played a mistake. You know, because I made a mistake when I was writing, and I was like, oh wow, what if it actually went there? Like, what if it did what the mistake was? Because that's. I think that that's like real art is just to be able to be like, Oh, like that's not right. Like, let's make that work. You know? But yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Still speaking about the cat. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's in the heart into it promo. Uh, you, mm-hmm. The cat turns black. Is there, is there a reason for that's that? The, that's cool. That's, that's the, um, that's the like cats out of the bag the promo uh, for the whole record itself oh yeah um, i'm sorry yeah you're right <laughs> but but yeah yeah so that video like we we spent a lot of time trying to convey something in that video like san francisco is plagued with um like tech companies and workers right so like you know if you've ever heard of, like a techie like san francisco has just like a swath of people who you know not to generalize but the whole idea is that they're they're kind of like they are one they're pretty young they're all making like a lot more money than they should be and they don't necessarily participate in the authentic or organic cultures of san francisco you know so there's this so a lot of the cats of the bag stuff was kind of thinking about like the techie in san francisco and just like the cat is like yeah the the to black is like this transformation kind of what i was talking about earlier about like indigenous the you know it's not so it's not supposed to be over explained so i won't but there's something about like you know like the cat originally the idea was that the cat turned into like a bigger panther and the animator was just like oh it's gonna be like wait it's like and if, if you look at it there is a change to character the cat looks more like a panther afterwards the whole idea is about domestication it's exactly what I was saying to you earlier about the Yodakota stuff, in fact, where it's about like like the techie can be – or anybody that's kind of like lost their way from nature can be like declawed. You know, the cat can be docile and domesticated. And, and this idea of this transformation and the mirror for this cat is about like getting back to a primal sense or an indigenous sense. It's about finding like the animal within you. Uh, you know, that's kind of the significance. So the, the color change is kind of supposed to represent, you know, like I say too, the yin and the yang, the black and the white, 
there there is something there yeah sort of like a return to roots in a way precisely 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 and um you know i will say one thing um the one thing i really like about your visuals um is i don't know i don't know exactly you you have i really like your guys promos like your your promos and i was just looking at them again like before this interview like your your promos really make me energetic to like see the rest like you you do a really good job with your promos i think one of the i i think one of the things um is there's kind of a lot of um you know you have a lot of different uh types of uh visuals in there you have like the you know the film effects on some of the shots mm-hmm. um i don't know if you actually filmed that with like a film camera yeah no that's that's a vhs it's a jvc vhs camera you have the you know the animated parts i i know in one of them there's even a, a 3d part uh-huh. i think in a few of them you have those like psychedelic over there's just a lot of stuff going on I, and this is the kind of stuff i i really love because i used to i guess i still do but um I, until like the last year, I planned on going into film. Okay. And recently I've delved more into photography. Okay. But I always loved like layering things and doing stuff like that. I see a lot of that sort of stuff with like the layering things on top of one another in your mm-hmm. visuals and stuff. And I guess, uh, I guess my, my question is why what what's the idea behind like all these different um art types and stuff in, in the promos and even in, yeah. in the music videos themselves you know in the music videos you have like different aspect ratios too then you start getting uh-huh. into that what's the idea with all this like what's the idea behind all this variety great question i mean it's cool it's cool to answer these and to kind of see that there is this like this through line and everything that you know i do it, it's the same like your first question it's the same thing with the musical genres like I feel a thousand different ways, you know, like my, my dad used to call me the boy of a thousand faces. That was one of my first nicknames. And I think it like aligns with that where it's just like, I want film and I want, I want as high def as it can get. And I want as low def as it can get. And I want animation, you know, I want, I just want it all, you know, it's the product pivot line. I want it all. And so in that way, like, there is this, you know, like, it's just like analog dog. It's just like this, like different genres, like, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of the, the, the other idea is that like, you know, bricolage is the word I think where it's just like, kind of like different pieces cobbled together and, and, you know, and again, part of it is just like, there's like a randomness to it that I um just like totally embrace. I think it's like really kind of hip. There's like a, I spend so much time on this stuff, but at the same time, like, like I said to you, like at the beginning, like I just let it all, I let it form. I just kind of like, it's the same way I sit a guitar. Like when I write a good song, uh, I just let the instrument lead me. And so with the film stuff, it's like, okay, like I'll take some shots with the VHS and then we'll take some shots with like a DSLR, you know? And then like, Hey, there's a hole missing. Like, let's fill the hole with the animator. You know, it's kind of just like whatever it takes to get, to get it to get a vision complete and and i think that that's like just my vibe is that like i shoot from the hip a lot is how i would call it like i just let the pieces fall um and sometimes that works out really well sometimes it makes for a lot more work because it's like shit i wish i kind of had a plan um but 
yeah, the idea is that like, uh, just it's a thousand different ways to to view and see things, you know. And so I hope to continue to kind of expand our aesthetic. Uh, you know, with the next, you'll love the next. You're gonna love the next. Uh, Saw Your Face is the single we've got coming out pretty soon, and we just got the animation for it back from a different animator, and it's definitely like a new kind of animation. Um, and yeah, the whole idea is, you know, with Disco Danny, it's like right now, like we're wearing all white and we're taking these like promo photos and and you know the the video is all disco ball but like you know we're like the next song is like kind of got more of a twang it's more of like a 60s like the birds like group singing feel with some like twangy guitars you know and then the one after that is more of like a 90s kind of psychedelic vibe you know it's it's just it's all over the place and and i like that i think it's it's harder to market in some ways you know it's definitely harder to fucking get a label to probably be like oh like you guys make a thousand different sounds like I just, I don't know. I want to do something different. So that's, yeah, it's just all about doing something unique and eye-catching. Well, I, yeah, I always think, um, like, I, I always, I know personally me, like, when people are really making what they want to make, you can tell. Mm -hmm. Like, you, right. can, you can tell. And, like, it's, it, it really, those are always, like, even, you know, even if it's, like, sort of in the mainstream sometimes you get people who made something that wasn't in the mainstream and then it's sometimes you know like people who do what they want i feel like are really the people who like succeed because you can be on the mainstream charts and like have a hit song and like you're you're but you're like you're not doing the sort of stuff right. you want to do and you're miserable i feel like people who take a chance and, and do what they want to do and just hope that other people like will appreciate that typically come out on top because even like if they don't hit that you know you're doing what works for you and and you don't need to i was um i was reading up on um this uh book the other day and it was talking about this idea of like you don't need you know uh uh three million fans you just need like a thousand like mm -hmm. super fans dedicated yeah, yeah exactly so like yeah if you're if you're really doing what makes you happy like you you're okay with like having like obviously you need enough fa fan base eventually to make some like income right. but like you're right. okay with like not being at because you're doing what makes you happy um right and i and i it also really resonates with me what you were saying about like uh the way that you film and the way you get your stuff that because uh the kind of like trial and error sort of idea kind of flows into that as well you were saying mm -hmm. and i know mm -hmm. i it reminds me of uh i used to for a long time i would do like uh music video things for like existing so, so i'd be like you know when i was in uh ninth grade or 10th grade i would i'd be like uh there's nothing i can really make online that's going to be really good so i'm just going to like take a pink floyd song and make a music video and try to do some artsy stuff to like increase right. my skills and i remember there was this one shot i got where like it was like it was for one of the later songs on the wall i was doing like my uh music and nobody ever saw these i mean a few people around me did but most mm -hmm. people didn't like see these i didn't publish these or anything but i just like it was what i really like doing these and i felt like i learned a lot and i felt like it really showcased what i could do i remember there was this one shot where i had like a hammer and i just like slammed it down on a brick that was the entire starting shot and i didn't know what i was gonna do with it and like like i made like 15 di or, oh, that's an over exaggeration i made like 10 8 or 10 
different shots within changing the colors so like one was like pink and orange and it was zoomed in then like mm. there was one where like like it was the brick was in the middle and then it went all the way around and it was getting hammered from all this it, but it started with this one really simple uh um right thing and i didn't right. know where i was gonna go with it i think that a lot of magic can happen where we're like you know like okay this is something but like i don't mm-hmm. know what it's gonna become and like figuring out what that magical thing is like you were saying that i i imagine that applies for not just like the visual stuff but i imagine that applies for like the music as well like you take i have i have this concept and I'm not a hundred percent sure where it's gonna go but there's something here Hmm. yeah yeah i mean everything is just like everything's a, a roll of the dice in this life nobody knows what's even if you think you got it all you know i think the most exciting things are just like you the unknown and yeah exactly just 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 do do what you feel and and like you're gonna be okay because you fucking dig it you know exactly it reminds me of uh what you were saying about your Dakota album where like i feel like that's why you know like i i still in terms of my editing at least i know personally i haven't done a lot recent but i feel like that was still some of my best work you said you felt really confident i feel like there people get like have these really um creative minds and people a lot of people unfortunately get like disillusioned because like real life like you Mm -hmm. said earlier is not that simple um no and uh you know a lot of people kind of surrender that creativity not to get like too deep but surrender that creativity because they give up and like you're saying like it's it's hard to believe that like you know you can be successful and like you're talking about music, right? Music, for example, it's hard to believe because like you get into the real world and then the real world isn't fr- isn't friendly to artsy people no. at all. No. And no. it's you know, I, I don't know. I just I just think that's really interesting, um, what you're saying, because it kind of gets back to this idea of like trial and error and like, you know, sometimes things happen, you don't even, you didn't even know you had something until after you do it. And like, not, you know, you're talking about mistakes that applies into this, not even necessarily a mistake though. Like sometimes you like get something and you're like, okay, this is kind of cool. And then like you figure out like you can do something like, like the cat you're talking about, like uh, it just happened to be there. So you got it and you're like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this, but like, I know that this is a cool, there's something cool here. And then it turned into like this much bigger thing. I feel like a lot of, I feel like a lot more than people acknowledge of like the best, not even this, but a lot of like really cool things that like artistically, um, come out of those kinds of moments. I feel like everybody wants to believe that like, there's this like technical thing, like, y'all, you have to know everything. And I, I yeah. feel like uh, a lot of stuff comes out of like, because that's also where you learn. You learn what you want and what you don't want by like trying, going outside the box and try like taking those shots. and Definitely. To, and I imagine that's sort of the idea behind your, uh, what you were saying earlier, the idea of like, I want it all. <laughs> I imagine it's kind of yeah. the, the idea behind the album covers too. Cause there's a lot of stuff going on in the album covers as well. And mm-hmm. in the, in the single covers mm-hmm. and those, you know, they're all, they're all uniform and like th- in terms of like they all have the same border, but there's a lot of like stuff going on mm-hmm. within them. I, it, am I correct in my like assumption that it's the same sort of idea? 
Yeah, yeah. That was, you know, I think, like, looking back, like, I feel like I went a little overboard on some of those, you know? Because Rob and I were talking about this the other day, like, I'm I'm always kind of just trying to get a grip on how to best communicate an idea. And even, like, examples of, like, there's, like, two, there's, like, pretty different versions of myself. And it depends on who I'm talking to. You know, like, earlier, like, you know, you get the whole, like, you get a very stimulated version of me telling you about Otakota's story. And just, like, this really, these really grand concepts. And, and yeah, same thing. It's, like, part of me wants to respond to kind of some of the things you're saying back there of just, like, yes, like, we don't, we don't encourage each other's childlike artistic nature enough. You know, we don't, like, we do live in a society that's transactional. It can be cold. People do lose touch with, like, even, you know, there's a businessman out there who today, what he should really be doing is just, like, coloring in a coloring book. And it would, like, fill his soul to the brim with happiness, you know? There is a, you know, there's a, somebody who's working in fucking numbers. There's somebody who's working in accounting who, like, if they could just, like, paint some brush strokes, like, their soul would, like, jump for joy. But at the same time, there's also a bunch of people who are kind of like selfishly indulging themselves in their own creativity as the world like burns. So it's like this really, really fine line. Just to address that point, it's just like it's really thin line that I'm just trying to like, I think we could all be more in touch with our childlike sense of artistry, you know, and not get disillusioned and jaded. But it's also like not everyone's an artist, you know, and not everyone can pursue this in a career, as I was telling you earlier. So I feel like I'm going through a self-awakening again of just like how to be like, you know, I heard the guy from Umo call it once like hard-nosed love. And I like that because I used to be much more of like a flower child, like hippie ideas. Like as the world turns, you do, you get a little bit more concrete in terms of like, you know, no, not every, we can't just all sit around and fucking finger paint, you know, it's like that <laughs> yeah. can't, that can't be the case. But it is one of those things where it's like I think one earns earns the right to continue to be creative. I think every child and teenager has inevitable like they 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 are owed the right to be creative. But I think adults once you, you have to earn that right again. You have to earn that sense. And because this world needs people to do other things than just express themselves. So I just wanted to say that. I just I'll I'll, I'll touch back on the album cover, but. I think that, that that ties in where it's like the album art cover that was great, but like I got like a little indulgent on certain details where like, you know, looking back, I could have done something a little more simple. But but your point is right in that like there's so many messages in all of it. That's the thing for me. And that's where I've gotten a little bit like, you know, Disco Danny like is something where it's like it's not about all these messages. Like it's kind of like turn the brain off and dance. Like that's fine. So Castle of the Bag was a lot of messages. Like the way that there's like graffiti on the outside of the wall in the office on the, under the sun cover, you know, like that's a message to me. That's that's like about gentrification. That's about like, you know, the disparity between like this clean, nice office and then kind of like the the unruly world right outside. Um, and then the black screen and the on the hearts and heart into it, you know, the, the blank black screen is like the black mirror vibe. It's like how many of us are just wasting our days away staring at these fucking computer screens. So yeah, I know I addressed a lot at once there, but I think it's important. I'm still finding for me like what I still need the like the validation to continue to kind of earn my right to be creative because I do think that you're a part of a generation Gen Z 
who, you know, I'm on TikTok and I'm just like, man, every fucking person wants to be somebody. I like, don't, I don't shit. get TikTok at all, to be honest. Dude, I'm so TikTok confused. It's wild. It's wild, dude. But it's, 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 I think that what we need to do is find a healthy balance where art can come through. But like, I think right now it's like about ego for everybody. You know, like I want to be, I want to be, as opposed to like letting the, like having the art speak through you, you have to force it because like you're a content creator or you're, a, you know, and, and I just think in that way, I'm trying to, I'm trying to find nuanced views on life because again, when you're young, it's just like, yes, like the world, we get disillusioned and we shouldn't and everybody should keep, and it's true. It's like everybody should keep a hold of that like childlike artistic thing, like absolutely like follow your dreams and follow your bliss. But at the same time, you have to have a very grounded and practical sense of the world, you know, and, and and what the world really needs beyond like your own needs. And in that way, I'm, you know, yeah. I, I think that, I think they both, I, I agree with you that I, I think they both ring true. I think that mm-hmm. um, you're right that like, I, I not only do, uh, you know, from the one side, not only do people not support, I feel like people criticize people too much who want to who do genuinely want to go into art like that's a right. thing that's a thing you're told not to do oh you can't go into Absolutely. art that's you're gonna you're gonna get fucked you can't do that right. you're not gonna but at the same time i do agree with you that like we're in kind of a generation where like people have more abilities like at, on their phones and at their fingertips than ever before and i feel like that there's this i feel like a lot of people have this huge misconception uh, 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 where they confuse cr- being like creative and being an artist with taking the easy way out, and it's literally the opposite. I feel like people just, I feel like there's a lot of people on TikTok, and you're talking about a lot of people, you know, you get a lot of noise on Spotify too, and stuff like that. I feel like a lot of people think, well, I'm gonna find, I'll find a way to succeed on here so I don't have to figure out what I actually want to do. Like, this will just be yeah. the easy life. And I feel like a lot of people aren't genuinely interested in music or doing music or doing you know whatever whatever they do on tiktok i'm sorry i can't i can't comment on that at all but (laughs) but um but i feel like a lot of people just go well if i can make this work then i'll have money and then i can do whatever i want and it's literally not like that at all like choosing to do like like choosing to do something like music is literally the hardest place to make money like even if you succeed you're not making a lot of money from like people listening to your music i i I think that i think that like you know, I, 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 it hasn't affected me as obviously as much because I'm not a musician, but I, I, I assume that that can resonate with you were like the idea like of wishing like people understood what really goes behind being an artist. And like, you know, younger people truly appreciating like the, cause if you're not really, if you're, uh, people like spend a lot of time on them, then they, they learn it the hard way that like, if you're not dead ass set on being like a musician, yeah. you're not being a musician. Like you're not taking some easy way up. I mean, you're actually taking like a really hard path. Yeah. The hardest. Yeah. Just to comment on that. It's like, well, it's, it's really complicated. You know why? Because like the most important, one of the most important things about the whole mystique of being an artist is that there's some kind of effortlessness projected, you know? So it's like, while you want people to understand how much goes into like a given trick, like D- Disco Danny took like fucking like a year, you know, there's so much that went into a song like Disco Danny, but you don't, at the same time, you want a general appreciation of that, but you want it to look easy. 
you want it to look like it took nothing to make. And that's the very interesting paradoxical kind of nature of life is that like, yes, you want this background information to be understood and you want people to know how much you kind of like anguish over the art and how much it means to you and how serious it is. But at the same time, you want things to be light as a feather. You want things to feel like, oh, this this is just like, it, you know, it's the this, this is effortless to listen to because it's effortless to make for the artists, you know? So in that way, it's like, it's, it's, you know, it's complex, but yeah, you, I think for younger creatives, there's definitely like, like I, again, also complex because if I would have known how much I was going to get my ass kicked later in life for pursuing this, it's like, yeah, I would have been like, oh shit. But like, because I was in this kind of bliss of like just following my creativity, like this, this kind of, you know, this kind of reality can exist where I got to pursue my dreams without being terrified because I didn't know enough of like how much it'll really kick my ass. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not something to speak in generalities. And, and all I can say is that like the, the people who love it the most and have the resources are who last because it's, it's, it's all too are, often connections and connections. Awesome. Exactly. And I'm just saying it's all too often that kids don't have the resources in the right community. And there's a fucking Michelangelo out there who never got to pick up a paintbrush. And that just sucks because, again, life is not life's not fair. But, you know, my philosophy is, is that whoever that kid was, hopefully he had a life and then was born again into the right circumstances and was able to paint. And in that way, I see that that I don't think I'll just I don't think we all get what we what we deserve in this life. But I think I don't think most me, of us do, to be yeah. honest. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. But, you know, there's people who are, you know, there's people who don't quite. You know, no, there's people who are, you know, yeah, robbed of their dreams all the times, you know. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't think most people ever, um, ever get to – and it comes back to this kind of like disillusioning. I feel like people mm-hmm. just go, well – it's and, and sometimes the, the, the worst part is sometimes – they might be right. It might just not mm-hmm. be possible with with the mm-hmm. with the environment. Like you might not just be able to be successful yeah. with what yeah. you want to do, and that's the saddest part. Um, yeah. And it's kind of I, I I don't know. Yeah, it's it's just sad. But yeah. Well, but, like I say, yeah, yeah, it's sad. But you know, I I think that that I I just got into this way of viewing that like you know. Uh, my philosophy is is that like we I think we live multiple lives. I think I've lived lives before this and lives after. So I think in I was I've been crushed and shit on and I've had success and you know it's like I think for me we all kind of go through those those different lives and people view it differently but yeah, I know on this life that that there's no yeah, you're right. Like it's it is sad because there's no there's no justice. There's a million there's billions of people who don't get what they deserve. Who are robbed of their opportunities and and it's it's brutal life is life is can be really brutal well and, and you get like um you know way earlier in this podcast i said something to you like with oda Koda, i said something like that would have been like a, an extremely mm-hmm. successful album 40 years ago yeah <laughs> like that's right, that's right and i feel really bad saying that because like no, it's basically kind of like it's kind of like a oh you were born in the wrong place at the right time but to, but right. it kind of it's it, it's true like it, in a different era that would have been a huge hit but it's just kind of unfortunate where and this kind of plays back into what you were saying about um a moment ago and, and i got a few more visual things so i won't get 
too yeah, far yeah. into this, but um, it kind of gets back to this idea where you said like it took a year to make, but we don't want people to like uh, think that. Uh, you know, that's kind of yeah. gets into what I was uh, saying earlier. Um, about, like the more you listen to, though, the more you can you can inherently subliminally appreciate those kind of things, and and I don't think. Yeah, you know, we were talking before the podcast um, about like just I feel like a lot of people don't have a huge music music palette. Like I don't think people, I don't think people, the average person does not have as broad of like musical a musical understanding that I think they think they do. Like, you know, remember yeah. I was thinking like the average person, like I was listening, I was telling you before the podcast, I was listening to the one song that had the, uh, the key change. And like, I was like, Oh yeah, that's really cool. I love that. But most people would like, would like turn the song off. They'd hate that. Cause they wouldn't have enough yeah. musical understanding to understand what just happened. They'd probably think it was like out of tune or something. And I'm not sure if you mean like it, it just, you know, I was like that at one point too. It just, it, you have to listen to a lot of different things to get that kind of uh, an appreciation. So like then, like you were saying, like I, you were doing things and you didn't even know you were doing them. Like, like mm -hmm. I, like it's kind of, that's it. Like I heard this and I really appreciate it, but I didn't understand exactly what's going on, but like yeah. I've seen enough to, and, and I feel like the more I get into like, the music world i'm kind of like i guess i'm i am sort of like an outsider i don't really actually make music i mean, mm -hmm. so but like I, you know the more i like read up on stuff and things i i know personally like because of like all this stuff i've listened to and like stuff ever like i had that gives me that subliminal knowledge to understand uh mm -hmm. that like it wasn't like oh yeah analog dog made disco danny in a week and then it came out like right but most people don't have that understanding like i think i i i do think like most people think like oh yeah you make a track in like two and a half weeks and then it's out and it's like that's not right. how it is at all and in like all the different versions of it and and the production that goes behind it and because i think people think oh it's one take you play the instruments you put them together and then you're like you add so it's it's way more complicated than that that's probably was like the 57th take of like some of the yep. instruments that like you did uh to get to like that point because you keep like you said it's trial and error and like figuring out what works and and changing things and like i don't know if um like you know we were talking about the wall earlier have you listened to the demos for the wall no actually i don't think i've ever heard any of those there's one for comfortably numb i don't remember because there's a few different versions you can listen to but there's one version of it right and if you listen to the version of it like it's it literally sounds like a different song i can't like i yeah. I, I have no idea how they got from this to what actually they make but it's like most people thought would think like oh yeah you just started out with something sort of like things things change a lot from like their start to like their finish and yeah. I, I definitely do think that um you know and, and i'm not trying to like once again i'm not trying to insult people because i was there too at one point it's just but i think people need to understand that if you really want to be able to appreciate music to that to that extent and like you know understand what you're listening to and appreciate the artist you have to you have to expand your horizons a little absolutely a little more absolutely. than i think a lot of people do yeah i think i'll just validate that and that like it's so important to have a yeah you can't really taste 
you can't really taste a wine until you've had however many wines. And then you're like, oh, now I know what these different wines taste like, right? Like, it's the same thing where it's like, you know, and music is so available to so many people, but it's a matter of curiosity. You know, people kind of just listen to what either they're fed or what they seek. And, you know, in that way, it's, it's, there's just people like you, you know, you're called to kind of like have an investigative lens on things, you know, for people, music is like a passive thing and, and that's okay. Like you're saying, it's like, it's okay for people to be kind of just like, oh, well, I just listen to like what, you know, kind of like what Spotify playlist gives me. And it's like, you know, if you're, if you're into that, it's cool. But I think, yeah, to have a more worldly sense of anything, it's so important to kind of like take different pieces from different cultures and kind of get a sense of like how, like what is actually involved. And, 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 you know, that's the last thing I'll say. It's like, yeah, my girlfriend, like, you know, we've been together for eight years now. And, and I remember her saying, it's like, you know, before she met me, like she had, she never like thought of like, you didn't separate like a bass guitar or a guitar or a synth in a recording, you know, you didn't think about that, but she's like, Oh, I'm, I'm like, I'm with you for so many years. Like she starts like, Oh, like now I can like distinguish those elements and you know it just takes it just takes curiosity or being around people who are into it to be like oh wow like now i know yeah because music can just be like a wall of sound that just hits you or you can like hear all the individual pieces and that's all about like ear training and stuff you know yeah no i i 100 agree that like mm-hmm. once you listen to enough music you get a sense of like you get like an ability to like dis like dissect what's going on inherently right. while you're listening right. to it um that most exactly. people most people don't get to that point so like when you play something that's more complicated like it just seems like a lot of stuff's going on and they can't really grab onto anything um right and you know it's it's funny because as you were saying that i remembered i actually remembered um the first time i heard led zeppelin 2 Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't mm-hmm. like it. I was like, oh, I don't like. Yeah. It. I was like, I was like, oh, this isn't really for me. And now it's my favorite Led Zeppelin album. But right, right at the time, right. like, I was like, because uh, you know, I was probably, you know, at the time, I got a lot of. I, this was my first big band that I really liked, and I liked them at the time that like that that happened. Was I was really into Pink Floyd back in the day. Like I can right. probably tell you like that's probably why I've heard the demos but nobody else has. Like I was obsessed right. with the wall at one point. Yeah. Um yeah. and but other than that, I mean if you go like right before that, like I was probably with you on ninety two point five or one oh one point five or whatever. Um mm-hmm. you know, listening to the hits of the time not really and, and not all mainstream is like oh it's mainstream so like it can't be that complicated it can't but but i don't i yeah. just think that there's a lot of stuff in mainstream where like people don't really understand that um how and, and you know it's okay for it to be that simplistic i mean there's nothing wrong with that but i just don't think you know it, it does irk me when like my i'll get like my sister in the car or something and like you know, she puts on her music, but then she, like, talks about how, like, my music is bad because she doesn't know. Like, it, it, it is a little right. annoying that, like, you can't – it's okay that, like, you know, that's completely fine. There's nothing inherently wrong with that, but I just – I do think that it would help people to appreciate things more if they had, like, a, a better sense of um, – or a better relationship with – music but that's that is okay like i i i i do i do like want to 
really like clarify that that like you don't need to like everybody doesn't need to be like that in tune with music i just think people would appreciate what they're listening to a little bit more if they expanded their horizons definitely well and i think you know just to say like one last thing on that is just that like the bigger broader point is that we could all just be like a lot less judgmental oh yeah you know like we just spend like way too much time kind of like critiquing each other being like oh i don't like oh, you're into this and i don't like this or like you know i don't like the people you know i'm i do it too like i'm i'm unfortunately i'm incredibly judgmental and i'm like always trying to like work on that but it it just causes so much pain in life to be judgmental because you're always attached to things and then you're always worried about people judging you because you're judging them you know and i think that that that's like a bigger takeaway i think on this conversation is just that like we need to develop a better sense of like living and let live like oh you know what you you don't like music beyond a surface level that's fine you know but i also would expect you to like then appreciate that like i like music with a different depth you know and and we just we should be better at like just accepting each other's interests and not you know not judging each other on both ends you know i think that's a good 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 place to hang that you know yeah I, i definitely agree i think that like for a long time i've gotten much better but for a long time mm-hmm. like uh, uh i like it would really irk me because like i took a lot of pride in like the amount of time i took in like my musical ventures and like so mm-hmm. like then hearing somebody like you know it, it, it is but it's kind of like it, it, you know it's kind of like you said it's like live and let live i have nothing against like anybody who just listens to that stuff anymore i think what it used to bother me is kind of like you were talking about them with that critical lens like it was like i was be. I, I guess it always felt like i was being attacked like oh no you're not allowed mm-hmm. to and and like but then again back in the day when i said something it may have felt to them like i was attacking them you know i don't know what exactly what i said but maybe mm-hmm. I, it felt like i was attacking them so like i do think that like people come off a lot and that's why like I, that's why like i keep saying like as i'm talking about it, that like that is okay because I, I don't want it to sound like i'm criticizing you know people that you know it, yeah. it's fine if that's what people listen to but i definitely think um you're right that i think we're all i think a lot of us um are more critical than we think we are mm-hmm. a lot of the time because like uh, I feel like I, I think that you're definitely right that like we as a whole need to kind of uh, be more on alert or be more careful with like the way that we say things. Yeah. Yeah. We should be like, we could all be a lot more respectful of each other's opinions, you know, definitely. Yeah. Um, I wanted to get a little bit into 45 minute podcast this will be the this will be like the grand beginning podcast we'll start it off with like a two-hour podcast like you know yeah and then cut it down yeah yeah. no we'll have like the um you know how like sometimes in the like pilot tv shows they're like yeah okay every every episode is two hour pilot yeah this will be like the (laughs) the two-hour pilot uh i i wanted to get a little bit into i know nothing about um clothing so like i can't get like technical but i did want to get a little bit into your fashion because like i really kind of i kind of like your fashion you have um the first thing i i i I gotta start start off with a super serious question here do you still Mm -hmm. have your pink fur coat oh nice dude i do still have the pink fur coat um i do not rock that one i have 
I have a more of a like a wolf, like a it's not like real fur, but but um, uh, I have more of like a kind of natural like white wolf looking fur coat that I do rock if I rock a fur coat. But the pink was very specific to the pretty in between days. That was like a really bold <laughs> choice. <laughs> I don't I don't wear that anymore. But I do I do have a very large fur coat that I do wear when I'm in the mood, you know. But pink. No, no, that's. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. That's what legends wear. Yeah, exactly. I know. I know. No, that was the time and place, and I definitely rocked that, dude. The pink coat. Yeah. You also have a uh, like a pink. I don't know if it's like a raincoat. It's like kind of. It's a jacket, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My new my my um. Uh, I think about that like six months ago. It's it's uh. I just wore it yesterday. It's a um. It's a windbreaker, is what you'd call it. I I literally just realized this because I I have like um some pictures gathered on my screen. Uh, mm-hmm. I I literally just realized you have I don't know if you still have this, but I'm really glad I caught this because this is really interesting. In in the same picture, you have one of your finger one of your hands fingers are nail polished and the other one are mm-hmm. not. Do you still do you do that still? Well, what I do now is is black black on the left hand and white on the right hand is how I do it now. Um, but so what I wouldn't do is like, you know, I, I would never paint the right hand because it just like, actually I'm looking at it now and like, it just gets torn apart because of the guitar. Like if I paint my nails on my guitar, like on the, on the finger picking hand, like they're just like in a day, it's just threaded and it looks like crap. But um, I'll put on like a fresh coat before like a show or something. Yeah. I do like a black and white thing now. Um, and I just love, you know, I, I kind of cop that from the, the, um, I used to, I remember seeing Blink-182 do that when I was like really young and I was like, that is fucking badass. And I just love the way that the black fingernails look against like the little black dots on the guitar, you know, on the fretboard. I just, I don't know something about it. I just think it's just like so fucking cool. So yeah, I, I do still do that. Yeah. But I, it's, it's white on the right hand now. Yeah. It also kind of reminds me of um, the idea you were talking about earlier with like the yin and yang. You have the white yes, you were talking about on it. one side and the black on the other. Precisely. That's exactly the idea, you know? That's my that's my vibe. I, I literally didn't notice that until just now. I, I guess I didn't. Perfect. That's really, that's actually really cool. I love that. Yeah, um, man. Do you, you have, I don't know how to explain them. But like two years ago, you pushed this picture with. Um, I'm just gonna send you here. I'm gonna send you a picture. I'll I'll ask yeah, you yeah. about. I'll ask you about another thing while I'm sending this. You have a pair of yellow heart glasses, like yellow yeah. heart sunglasses. Uh-huh. Um, where'd you get those? Uh, I don't know. So the funny thing with the sunglasses is like my my girlfriend uh, who just entered the room. She. She like buys, she would like buy all these sunglasses and then I would be like, oh, those are fucking dope. Like I'm <laughs> like, where though? Like I'm going to brand those, you know? So she would like, like pretty much any cool pair of glasses that you ever see me rock is like my girlfriend, like buying them on her own and then be being like, oh, that's like perfect for my style. I'm going to uh, wear those. Unfortunately with the yellow ones, I'm looking at them right now. They fucking, I broke one of the, the arms. <gasps> so I got to get a new pair of heart-shaped sunglasses betrayal but, yeah yeah okay the yeah. podcast is over. i can't forgive me for that we're out of here no i'm just kidding <laughs> no 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 but but she um she's she she is the uh the mastermind behind all the glasses definitely well, i really like oh. her picks because you got you have some sick 
glasses that you wear. I'm about to send you this other one. I'll have to attempt to describe it so like people listening can know what yeah, I'm talking yeah. about. I'm also gonna be like posting like guides to like show what we're talking about like on Instagram. Cool, but in cool, case, cool. That's great for people who like aren't on Instagram like looking at that. Um, they're they're like red where did you sorry, sorry where did you send this to i sent it to your discord account okay 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 they're like Hold on one second, they're like red rose uh tinted glasses and they have like uh little mm-hmm. sun things mm-hmm. that go throughout the top um yeah i don't know if you just got the picture or not hold on here let me play pull this up hold on let me oh here it is oh yeah 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 do you yeah, still yeah. have those oh yeah fuck yeah those are so dope I do still have those again. Same story with those though. I, you know, I don't know where, where she got them, but just, she just brings these home and I'm just like, Oh, this is perfect. So those are great. I really like those. Those are definitely a great, great look, you know, and it's a similar theme. It's the, it's the, the, you know, it's, it's the, the, the heart shape or the flowers, you know, there's like a degree of like femininity and like love, love to it. So, you know, I think it's a nice balance. Um, you know, I, I'm not like a. I, I like to gender bend a little bit in that way. I'm not like, you know, you're part of a generation that's certainly like definitely going all out with uh with. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty like masculine in nature, and so I I like to embrace some of these feminine things. I think it softens me, and it's good for me. You know, so that's kind of like where I'm at with it at this point. I think um, I I think my my opinion on this is that like we. I feel like all of us have like a certain amount of both. I feel like some people think, oh no, I'm a, I'm a guy, so I'm masculine. I'm a girl. I feel like to truly be like the best you, you have to kind of open up to like the fact. That, and that doesn't that, you know, I'm not talking about like anything with like sex or gender. I'm just talking about like, right. I feel like you have to be kind of open on both ends. At de- like depending on like situational stuff, you have to be able to be like, both i don't feel and that and that goes for like both like uh you know that goes for everybody um right i right. think you had to be able no. to uh uh express or like open up to like well you should be sides. in touch with uh, yeah I, I think this is a good point i think that you should be in touch with both like you know it's a spectrum we, we we say you know and and one should be like whatever their spectrum is they should be at least in touch with you know there's a degree of femininity in all men and there's a degree of masculinity in all women and there's also like a total there's there's people who don't identify as men or women in between you know so it's like there's there's a whole spectrum but i think that your point is valid in that like it's i think that one of the biggest problems in the world is that like men have been kind of like cut loose to just like control everything and then like fallen out of touch with their femininity and how powerful it really makes you to be like compassionate or to be a great listener or to be like a nurturing person. Um, I think that those things like our rulers lack, our leaders lack, you know, that's why we go to war. That's why people like, you know, make fucking billions of profit while people starve. It's because they're out of touch with like a nurturing sense, you know? So I couldn't agree more that, um, and you know, and for me it's, it's all going waves too. There's like, there was definitely moments there's it's yeah like you said it's fluid it's it's just there's moments where i feel like a lot more in touch with my femininity and a lot more embracing that and then there's moments where i do feel like a lot more of like having a traditional like more of like a masculine experience so i think that it's another one where it's just like people people need the freedom to at least get on their own page 
because you know we're all on our own all on our own spectrum but people must be afforded the freedom to explore kind of where those boundaries lie for them because that's obviously what's going on in, in so many places is that people aren't afforded that freedom so i think that that's like obviously crucial and i think we're getting there i think as a society we're definitely like having a revolution about gender and concepts of of sexuality and stuff like that so i think that that's all moving in a good direction well i also feel like um especially like you know i i'm thinking like older generations um so at oh, least yeah. i would say at least th- especially older but i would say at least like you know you get 30 and up because it, you know this mm-hmm. is especially like a much more modern day thing i feel like there is weight i feel like people take way too much of like a s- connection between like oh like oh well, if i'm if i'm expressing like my feminine side that means like something about my gender you know and, and, and it might right. it might but like well, i feel yeah, like people get yeah. get like really defensive about like this idea that like you're one or the other and if like you're expressing like yeah. another thing like that means something about and and first of all i don't see why it matters but like i right. guess to like some older generations who were born like like and uh, like they have like this kind of like this stubborn stubborn idea behind like um, totally expressing that like it's kind of like you know it's kind of like some people don't want to go to therapy because they think that is like that means like there's something wrong right. with them it's kind of like the same sort of thought process even though like there's no validity in that um right and well, I, yeah that's you know god uh um i think i think that like that's 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 something that like you're definitely right with like the modern day people are much more open to that and like understand that like it doesn't it's it doesn't like have that like specific of a correlation with with like your gender and, and, and also i think that there's this more acceptance that like you know it's kind of like a symbol but like who cares anyway even if it did yeah. i feel like like older people for some reason like there's a bigger concern with that for some reason like younger people seem to get it like that that doesn't really matter at the end of the day either um, totally so well, well yeah. yeah i'll just say on that topic like you know two things are at play one like the world is waking up to the idea that like men sh- like should not just like be this like you know like totally empowered group like you know like men are so clearly in this world in the society like the world is like shaped around their desires and they're you know femininity gets shaped around what men want and i think that one we're coming to terms with that where it's just like something much more balanced needs to take place because this is way out of whack and then i would say the second thing is just like i mean the brass tacks is like dude like our parents generation and beyond like so homophobic so insanely homophobic like it 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 really just like it was kind of seeped into every part of their understanding of gender and sex just like homophobia like i was so afraid of of being gay or discovering like the possible gayness within themselves you know and again sexuality is a spectrum too but yeah i think that those those two factors are kind of coming off you know, like that the the charm is wearing off of like the masculine hegemony is what we call it, like just men being in control and then like having women just act how men want, you know, and and too, like everybody's like nobody gives a shit about being gay anymore in our generations. Like who cares? It doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. So in that way, yeah, it's like 
those are big, two big factors that are definitely changing. Um, and our, and our parents generation are going to have a hard time with it until they go probably. But you know, it's just, we're on to a new world because that's shit stupid. When did, I'm not a hundred percent sure when you did this, you have a, I don't know if you still do, you have like a red hair strand in the front yeah, of your pink. hair. It's bright it pink, pink. Yeah. Oh, it's fucking red. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it looks, now that I, now that I'm looking at the picture, it is pink. I guess I'm just yeah. Um, well, it was darker at different phases. It was it was it was really fucking bright at first, but yeah. Uh, when is there a reason you decided to do that? Or did you just do it because you thought it looked appealing? Yeah, or what was the it, idea? There's no yeah. There's no like deeper. You know, that's like a pretty strictly aesthetic move but um yeah I, and now it's blonde because it's it, the hair dye dies off um and i cut my hair like you know kind of half half of what it used to be but uh oh, i love it i'm gonna keep doing that i just feel you know it's again it's like i like to signify that kind of um the pink you know and the dyed nails is just i just i feel comfortable um kind of just like yeah with like some of those like gender bending things like it just makes me feel it just feels right. I don't know. It just feels like me, you know? And so I'm going to probably keep, keep dying and shit. Do you think you're going to dye it pink again? Or are you probably going to dye it a different Yeah, color? I think, I don't know. I might do a different color. I mean, I might switch it up. I'm thinking about like doing like a braid with like a bead too. You know, I, I've had some, I kind of want to act on those. I think that like, yeah, pandemic boredom and also like a desire to like look unique, obviously like someone in my position, there's like a, there's a pull to kind of like, just like yeah to express it's all about you know the attention to detail everything i do is kind of like an attention to detail you know from my art to my my fashion or whatever and so yeah i i think that i'm going to continue to explore with my hair because like it's a place that i can express myself yeah yeah i I gotcha um yeah yeah i just wanted to i just wanted to touch on it because i actually really like um liked the pink but i know i know you didn't always have it because i don't remember it back in the day so i just wanted to like uh yeah touch, that's new touch on it. that's new that's like a pandemic era kind of just choice of like you know it's like a youthful uh just makes me feel makes me feel younger it makes me uh just feel more you know it's like spontaneous so i like it um now you said uh i'm i'm gonna i i'm i'm moving off of fashion uh yeah. actually actually yeah. I, got, I got one more i got one more question okay. you also have uh you have this coat it's like a god i don't know what these are called it's like a it, it's a brown coat and it has like the the like stringed things on it kind of those are called it's called fringe fringe yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um where'd you get that that's from so there's a super cool spot in San Francisco on Hate Street. Hate Street is a classic, you know, famous Hate Ashbury. Um, and it's called Held Over. And and I get a lot of my clothes from this place called Held Over. It's like these really cool like seventies, like retro vintage stuff. So I got that from that's one thing where I know where it's from that I don't just didn't just take from my girlfriend. Uh yeah, I got that particularly at Held Over and I really like that. I like fringe. I like kind of the cowboy, the the you know, and there's also like, you know, there's a bit of that native, you know, Native American clothing, like a lot of fringe. Um and I like that stuff. It makes me feel just like it's like earthy and grounded and, and you know. I like the suede. I like the the browns like that. I I, I dig the I I like you know I I think of myself as like kind of like a space cowboy at times you know 
like I'm psychedelic and it's pink. And then it's like, you know, I have like Paisley shirts, you know, and I've got this like kind of like kind of like Paisley cowboy belt thing that I wear, you know, and I just like, again, it's the same thing with the music. I just like to be all these different versions of myself, you know, I feel like authentic in, in, in any one that I pull off and, you know, and then like other, dude, I wear like suits a lot these days, like all black, like, like basically like a suit, you know, and, and it's just one of those things where it's just like, I just feel, you know, as long as I've got my fucking pink hair and dyed nails i just feel like i can wear anything and just kind of feel like myself yeah i i'm definitely uh understand that 100 percent. i have a like i'm um i'm like also one of those like weird people that likes mm -hmm. like unironically to wear suits i have a Dude, uh it's great <laughs> i have a uh but but like but i'm also like uh i don't just want to like wear uh you know the classic uh you know yeah six, like so i have a what i do is i wear well uh, for one i also do really like that like you know black look but may usually mm -hmm. i go for this uh look where i have black pants and a black button-up shirt and then I have a like a tan jacket. I have like nice. I have like seven tan jackets or something. And then I have like like yellow, gold, brown ties. I could um I can actually try to find a picture later after the podcast to yeah, show you yeah. like what I'm talking about. But um I I like I really I I resonate with the, with you on that like one hundred percent because I love wearing like it, it, but it feels like like it just dude, it's powerful dude yeah it's, it's really powerful. it's kind of like it's liberating you know because it makes you feel yeah like i don't want to say professional because that's not the word i'm looking for it, it just makes you feel like in charge in a way dude, like yeah look good feel good man i mean yeah. you know like when you look fucking sharp you feel like you own the room i mean yeah i i remember this quick story i remember the first time because I was so fucking anti, man. Like, and I, we had to wear uniforms growing up. Like, I went to St. John's, you know, and we had to wear like uniforms, shirt and tie. And I fucking hated that shit. And like, I remember the first time though, I put on a real suit. I did like an internship, and I was like wearing a suit around town with my buddy, walking through downtown Toledo. And I was like, holy shit, this feels so fucking good. All my anti whatever, like, I was just like, oh, I totally get like why you'd want to wear this like suit. I feel like clean. I feel like comfortable i feel like i look good you know i mean it's one of those things again where it's just like just just yeah just fucking do what you fucking want to do man and i i right now i'm like i want to fucking put on a suit and take a walk this is this is what <laughs> no suits but, yeah, are, suits, suits are, are cool i know my my best friend hates suits <laughs> he hates mm. suits. i i mm. even like for our uh senior pictures like he didn't wear a suit he wore like a um God, what did you? He wore like a polo shirt. Um, right. But yeah, I'm with you. I I, I, I fucking love if suits. That's his. If that's his vibe, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, he likes to wear. Um, he's much more into uh, wearing like he kind of likes like the badass sort of look. So he wore like jeans and then like armless uh, shirts and stuff. Um, nice. And, nice. and that's cool too so, well, i mean you, you know do what you do what you want to do i think it looks really good on him but um it's just really cool to see like people's like different fashions and that's what i meant like earlier like i don't know anything like technical about like fashion but i'm definitely that's definitely a place like where i'm a little more in tune 
where like yeah. I like to wear yeah. what I like to, especially like I'll wear like right now I'm wearing like something that doesn't match at all. I'm wearing like gray shorts and like a blue long sleeve shirt. <laughs> but like if mm-hmm. I'm if I'm going out like when I went to uh, college like you know some people show up in like fucking pajamas and shit. I always showed up yeah. in a suit always like i like to be presentable when like i'm doing things um definitely yeah it'll get you far in life man i mean i mean fashion sense dude so many people are lost of fashion sense especially males dude so many men are just like dressed so fucking boring or just like dressed exactly how you'd buy off the you know and again i guess this is like where it's hard it's like yeah it's a judgment but i think you know and for me honestly like a lot of my clothes like the jacket it's like women's clothes like I buy a ton of women's clothes because they look fucking good on me. And, uh, you know, I think that men's clothes can be really boring personally. So I actually, I find some of my best stuff in the thrift stores, the women's section, honestly, it's where it's at. It's another thing where like you go into, and by the way, I also, um, just to like comment on that, like real quick, since you just said it, I, I used to have a, uh, one of, one of my, main coats for a long time was also a woman's coat i i don't mm-hmm. remember it was like one of those it was like a tan coat and it like went down to my legs but you like you could also reverse it and then if you reverse it, it was like a green coat it was badass nice um nice oh. i don't know what happened to it but i you know you also get the like just society like if you go into like target and you go to um or walmart or so i target's a better option probably but if you go to any of those places like you know you go to the like guy section that's basically what you have like if you go to the main place it's brutal i think it's brutal like it's dude the the options are so limited it's like in that way it's crazy to me it's personally i'm just like men's modern fashion is so boring it's incredible i yeah it's but I also feel like a lot of people get conf- like I feel like um, a lot of people get confined in that way because they go to the store and then they go and they're yeah, like, well, no, that's it. No, and exactly. then there's no creativity, so you never even think to think outside the box. Exactly. Yeah. No, I don't blame people. I think that's just it's just like yeah, people. They, well, like anything cool in this world, you gotta fucking you gotta pave your own path. You know, it's like if you just listen to mainstream music and if you just go to Target, again, it's like no judgment there, but it is. It's like we do live in a society where like they're kind of funneling you the uncool shit. And that's why, I, yeah, that's why kind of people like us romanticize like the 70s or something because like the fashion in general was like so much more expressive, was so much cooler, like men with bell bottoms and afros and colorful shirts. And like that was the fashion. But now the fashion is like toned down like a talking T-shirt or like, you know, sportswear, you know, like it's a lot of like athletic wear and just comfortable and like that's cool. But, you know, yeah, I think I resonate with you where it's just like, do you all fucking hear like, you know, the world's a stage. Put on a little show, you know, that's what I'm about. Yeah, and, and don't, yeah. Get, don't get me wrong. Like I, I, I do do that sometimes too, where, but I still have a specific fa- – like uh, if I'm going out and I'm going to wear something that's like less, it's always like my preference if I have like anything – you know cleaner is that my preference is always like a black t-shirt and black pants and then like mm-hmm. i have like i have um uh a lot of times i'll wear a necklace i get uh i get these necklaces from a uh 
person who makes them on Etsy. The the company's name nice. is Zayo Necklaces, and actually, she also agreed to be on my podcast. Me and her have been talking recently, um, and so that'll be that'll be cool. Um, but uh, you know, and just to add like a little bit of flair, it's like you know, um, but uh, but I'm I'm with you. We're like a lot of it. Kind of, I feel like a lot of it can come to. You know, you got the thrift stores, but then a lot of it can come to money too. We're like, now I've got all this yeah. stuff from back in the day, and like I can't, aff- I I really don't have the money to just be like, okay, I'm gonna completely change my wardrobe. And a lot of people do do that. I don't know how people do that, but like, um, yeah. but so like it's kind of like I work with what I have, and I slowly like transitioning to, but like I, but that's just kind of me, you know, a plain style. I remember I was in, t- I went to. um Texas and I was on vacation I still wore black pants and a black shirt and a necklace mm-hmm. like that's that's my style um and right, that's right. Just, you know I feel like it's kind of that idea where like people just go to the store and they get whatever's there and like the people don't really I mean like being plain and simple is okay but I just feel like I feel like a lot of people don't even have a style and like they just kind of no, like they and, don't. And that's OK. But like I feel like it's really liberating to figure out what your style is, even if it's plain, even if it's, you know. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. It's a lot of freedom and, and, and self-expression is what it comes down to. I wanted to ask about you said. So my understanding is uh, you made. Did you actually? My understanding is you made a music video for Disco Danny at the party you had the like a week ago, right? Well, we're working on one. Where we we shot some for the. I've been working on the music video for a little bit. Like you know, parts of the promo that you saw, like that we that day we shot like a bunch of stuff for the music video. So it's just like in sections. But yeah, we are working on a music video for that. Yeah. Yeah, the uninvited over. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> you everybody, said you, everybody was invited. You said you'd pour one out for me. I hope that promise was. I held. did, dude. It happened, dude. It was fucking just all over the floor. Nah, just yeah, we, 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 we pour one out for you, man. Hell yeah, that was a great time. That was a great time. That was a fucking great party. That was fun as hell. Uh, yeah, a lot of people showed up. It looked like a good time. That you're, was great, dude. You're playing Fleetwood Mac in in the stories, so then I knew it must have been like a sick party. Oh, dude, you know it, dude. Those fucking we we definitely play good fucking music at our parties. That's for sure. If you come into an analog dog party, you're gonna hear some good, hear some new shit, and hear some old shit, and hear some classics, some disco vibes. You're gonna hear. You're gonna hear all kinds of. Music. You're gonna walk out of the party a changed person. Yeah, exactly, dude. We're gonna convert you. You're gonna walk out a Buddhist. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> You're gonna walk out with um, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, was that actually? Did you actually have that? What did you call it? You called it like the um, I don't remember what you called it, but like you called it like the analog, like where you guys like do all your live stuff and things. Was it like like actually in that? Oh building? yeah, yeah. No, that was actually a friend of mine. Uh, I made a, I made a friend through a friend. Um, we had a really cool connection, um, and like they invited me to a fucking seventies themed party at their house, and I showed up, and it was like the nicest people I'd ever met. Everybody was like introducing themselves, and just like everybody was so upfront and, and nice, and just like I was like, oh my god, these people are fucking awesome. I had a good fashion I was sense. Also- no, no, just the fucking the fucking seventies drips were on blast. It was perfect, dude. Everybody looked so cool, and I was like, oh shit, like 
I'm just going to fucking ask this guy if I can like have a party at his house and just basically do the same thing, just film it. So that was like the idea there. I don't remember, unless I'm just like really unobservant, I don't remember seeing like actual like video of you because you were recording. What were you wearing there? Were you wearing like disco stuff? Oh, or I'm, were wearing you the white, white I'm wearing stuff? the white suit. I'm wearing the white suit all the time, dude. Like honestly, like we're playing shows and like I think we're just going to wear those for a while. Like I'm, I'm just repping that. And I'm looking for a new one because that was like a $10 Goodwill purchase. But um. Yeah, I'm I'm repping that white suit, bro. That's like you can find me in that. <laughs> my my problem always with uh, white is that like I wear it and then it gets like dirty really quickly, and then uh, I guess you can. Well, yeah, I, don't, I guess you, you gotta wash. You just gotta keep washing it, dude. Yeah, bleach. I had to fucking this woman like fucking spilled a bunch of wine on me at that party. Oh my bad. So I had <laughs> I had to wash it, but it was you know I got some bleach in there. It worked out. It worked out. Did they like? Did they like completely like movie scene like trip and like throw it at? Or did yeah, they just... dude. They like threw it from across the room, dude. She was drunk. It was like somebody's like mom, like who? Oh, like, nice. Like the DJ's mom. Like he invited his mom, and I was like, dude, that's fine. But like she would like spill wine all over my whites. <laughs> I don't want to talk about that anymore. But yeah, I was pissed. I was like, what the hell? But luckily we had like finished shooting already first, you know, so it was whatever. But yeah, somebody definitely spilled a bunch of fucking wine on my uh, coat that night. Yeah, I also, you know, talking about your white suits, I love these new new pictures of uh, you guys. Uh, You know, I didn't think about it, but why is... Is there a reason that he's uh, uh, one of your members is wearing a, a track suit? Oh, dude, Jason. Dude, yeah. Jason is the fucking wild card. Yeah, no, that's just like his look. He actually wears that in the Product Pivot music video. Um, you know, and, and no, dude, Jason. Jason is a fucking man. He's great. Jason's so wonderful. It's like, you know, it's like Jamiroquai kind of look, you know. Jason and I both love Jamiroquai. Uh, yeah, no, you know, it's just it's just his fucking vibe, you know. He wears more of like a suit kind of thing now, but um, just like we were like, you know, it was one of those things where it's like, we're not the kind of group, like I'm going to like orchestrate all this, but I'm also like, you know, nobody's going to go out and like buy, you know, I'm kind of you know, like in that way, like I'm the only one who would kind of go out and buy a white suit. And also like, I'm continuing to still look for like the perfect white suit, you know, where these guys kind of like, oh, like, oh, I've got this. that's all white. Like, this is easy. You know, so in that way, I think I'm a little bit more. I'm definitely a little bit more fashion obsessed than the rest of the crew. But um, you know, Jason, Jason had his white tracksuit, and that's what he decided to rock. I think it works. You do you know the band Utopia? No, I don't. No, uh, they were a they were a well they were I don't know they were like a um, late seventies and early eighties band with you know Todd Rundgren. Oh fuck yeah, dude! That's my guy. Uh, it was it was a uh, a band that he was in, and okay, on their second album was like Egyptian themed, and they all wore like Egyptian clothes. Like I'll send you a picture after the couple. They all wore like Egyptian mm-hmm. clothes. Like yeah, that's what you guys should do next. <laughs> oh yeah, should, dude. No, I, I I love the white suits though. Yeah, it's a good look. Yeah, our next movie is gonna be like a little bit more like uh, we're gonna take a promo picture soon. Hopefully, it'll be a little more like. Either like different solid colors or like kind of a 60s vibe. But uh, 
we'll see. We'll see where uh, we'll see where that all goes. Yeah, I've been having a lot of fun in this conversation. I'm gonna begin to wrap it up because we've been talking for a yeah, long yeah, 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 time. Yeah. I'm gonna. Yeah, we I, have been talking for a long time. I'm definitely gonna have to cut something i'm gonna to try to cut as little as possible but it, yeah it's but i've been having a lot of fun so like that's okay yeah, that's great man. um yeah i'm really glad you were at product pivot because i almost forgot to ask this but i was just curious in the music video like there's a, like half the in half the like shots like you know your band members like air drumming could you just not i just curious could you just not get the drum to like that spot or was like it known that like you were gonna do oh, it that way what was the idea oh, just that would have been way too fucking much to like log a whole drum kit to all those different locations like but there's uh like i know in one part you haven't playing like a small drum set like i was just yeah, was it just yeah. too annoying to even bring that because even that it would just be like wouldn't... Yeah, and it didn't like kind of make sense aesthetically. Like he could stand up with us if he just did that, you know, and we could like stand in a line the way that we did. Um, but you know, if he would have been like sitting down, we would have had to like arrange different. It just made sense to do the air drums, you know. It's just kind of one of those things where it's just like I didn't really. It's funny you bring it up. It's like yeah, I didn't think much of it. I was like, oh, it's fine. Like this is. Like, I, love, you know. I love the part you guys are like walking in a line, so like you're all moving, and yeah, he's playing, yeah. and he's pretend playing this like thing that like would be like stationary, and you guys are, like going in right. this line. Move. I, yeah, I, I love good. it, and, and like it cuts to his like like little drum, like parts like later in the song and it seems in these just like banging the i yeah i really like that yeah it's yeah it's good i like that yeah i i guess i don't really have like a specific question but i'm just interested to hear it's obviously like has like psychedelic written all over it but i'm just i'm curious like to hear about like the idea behind like all the lighting and stuff and like your your area where you guys always play like when it's uh, online. our studio yeah like is there yeah did you just is there a specific like uh idea behind like the the way you light it or is it just like psychedelic like like yeah is, yeah yeah i don't know if that makes sense yeah no i mean it's a good question because i think that like you know like you're talking about like this podcast about aesthetics and stuff it's like you know, while I in pretty in between, like certainly had a fashion or whatever. And like, while like I got all those, you know, Otakota graphics later together, I created aesthetic. Like I had no sense of like a band aesthetic before Analog Dog. Like I came into Analog Dog, like I, it's like, I understood exactly what I was going to do by the time that I like really started at Analog Dog. Like I, and the studio space was one of that. Like it's modeled after like, you know, the KEXP room with those lights. Like, you know, if you've ever watched KEXP live recordings, like I was just directly inspired by the, like those kind of like icicle lights that they have and kind of like the blank, blank color, you know, but we went with the blue because the blue, like the blue and this kind of shade of pink are kind of like our, like we would call like our branding colors, you know, there's this particular shade of blue that we really like. Um, and so, yeah, that was just like, I, you know, from the KEXP sessions, I was like, oh, I like that. And, you know, that was, again, a space that was just like, man, that fucking studio, like, it's great, but man, just like a bunch of, you know, it's the same way with like a lot of musicians, like, especially like white men, like, they, you know, they go up on stage with a fucking t-shirt, you know, and your studio space looks like, like somebody's garage, like nobody gives a shit, you know, but like, I'm very intentional in my spaces, especially with music. So 
I was like, we're going to create a vibe in here, you know, somewhere that feels just like how we feel, you know, someone that inspires us to make art. So like this, this, the intention behind the space was uh, both aesthetic and energetic, you know, it's about like creating a space where people feel inspired. and, And that to me is like this, like, you know, kind of sleek and psychedelic, like with these lights and all that. Yeah. It's, it's about creating a sense of a, mise-en-scene or feng shui yeah do you think yeah do you think you're going to um keep the like a lot of your stuff up to this point has had like a uh psychedelic overlay so like, i i'm looking at something right Isn't now it? i don't want to click on it because the video and it's gonna like Isn't probably like, create noise and it's gonna fuck up my recording but like i can see like the right. watercoloring stuff that they would like project right back in the day on right. stages and stuff you got Acid that's been trip. yeah that's been that's mm. been a thing like uh uh a part of your aesthetic for uh um like the entirety of the band basically um yep. at this point and i i haven't seen it as much with this latest uh song and that's the only reason i wanted to ask like if that's like gonna be as strongly a part of your aesthetic right. going forward because you're well, also breaking out a little bit like genre wise again more so i'm just curious definitely yeah well i think that there's going to be continually shifting aesthetics in the band because i personally to do less and less of the visual stuff honestly um like i've i got really good at it I got, I don't want to say really good, pat myself on the back. I got good enough at it out of necessity um, because I understood that this is like what needed to happen in the game, you know, that I play. And I love making these little videos, you know, they're fun. They they definitely are stimulating. But with all of this, as much as like, you know, from like a booking manager to more visual artists in our camp, like... I really just like want the freedom to make music and I don't want to send anybody emails promoting it and I don't want to market it. Like I want to create a team of people to do these things. And so in that way, I'm just, I'm fishing all the time. You know, these videos are basically proof of concept. They're like, Hey, we have a vibe. We have aesthetic. Like I have an understanding of visually what this band is about and where it's going, but I want, I need to be able to delegate some of that and we're getting better and better at that. Um, So yeah, the acid drip will definitely like, it'll come in or, you know, there definitely will be part of that. But like, like you said, you're hinting at like, we're really going to start expanding here. Like we're really going to start doing things more professional. And, and that kind of includes me not, not being kind of like the, the, you know, the primary video maker, like, so in that way, yeah, the acid drip will make its return, but there will be continually big shifts in the aesthetic because I just don't, especially, you know, I've been on unemployment for a while, which has been great. And it's like gifted me a lot of time to uh, make these videos as I kind of search for like work, something to make work for me. And, you know, it's, it's, um, it's one of those things where it's like the more that my time becomes limited, the more like I just want to make records, you know, like honestly my big thing and I love performing for music, but it's like, I love performing for people, but it's like, I really, really want to keep diving into just making really quality records um, so that I can continue to just like, you know, really build this, this empire of music that I've got, you know? Um, but yeah, the, the, the acid drip aesthetic is definitely not going anywhere, but it will be continuously more professionally applied because hopefully I'll continue to find 
people to do it for me. But, you know, there'll always be moments where like, I, I like it. So I just want the choice. You know what I mean? I just don't, I want the choice to be able to do it or not. Uh, and I think we're, we're getting better at that. Well, I think what you're referring, oh, I almost dropped what I'm holding. I'm sorry. I think what, um, I think what you're referring to is kind of like, it's kind of like the idea like, okay, I'm the director, but I had to be the video editor before. And like, there, I think there's, there's kind of like a difference between being the creative director and then being the person doing it. And like, you want to exactly. be, you want to be like, you're going to explaining the concept and telling people, but like, you don't have, yeah, like, you know, and you had to like go through this stuff to like understand how it works so that you can do that. Right. But uh, going forward, exactly. like you, you just, there's, you have to, you're going to have to be able to delegate that so you can put your energy back towards the music. So like, you're still kind of in charge, but you're not like manually doing it. You have other people to exactly do that. And yeah, you know, and it is interesting that, you know, not to get like, into like all statistics and stuff but it is it does seem to be working to an extent like uh, the things you're trying with your aesthetics because like i know like the disco danny like is currently your most popular song on spotify i don't know if like if that has to do with like ad i don't know how much that may have to do with advertising or something but obviously your like aesthetic is working because like people are yeah. checking stuff out so that which is really cool to see because I, I think I, I really think you guys are like like abhorrently underappreciated. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, my friend. I, I need to hear that. I think I think I think that we are underappreciated. And I think that we need people like you to think that we're abhorrently underappreciated so that we can all, you know, you know, so for us, it's like humbling ourselves because I, I, I disagree with you in that way. It's like we're we're not we're not good enough yet to be where we need to be but but we are definitely beyond where we are so it just it's just it's just a it's a balancing act of being humble but also being like knowing your self-worth and so i definitely appreciate the compliment but you know we'll get there when we're, when we're, when it's supposed to happen i have i have total faith in that like i i think that when we're ready it's gonna come you know yeah i i agree i definitely think um like I, I definitely think you guys have got something. Like I know what you're saying about like, um, you know, it wasn't kind of like it wasn't. It hasn't been meant to happen yet because it's all leading up. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah. and I definitely agree. But like you have you have something, and that's like more than I can say for a lot of people who are trying. Like mm -hmm. I, I, that's kind of the sad part of that we were talking about earlier. Where like a lot of people don't really real like know what they want spend all that time and then like get disillusioned yes. and, and like you i there's definitely something here like and i, I yeah i'm i i know personally i'm all for the ride like i i love you guys material and i can't wait to hear this oh, yeah. i can't wait to uh hear the next you know what you guys release in the future you you said earlier 90s progressive this is one of your late uh no, more like 90s 90s like more like 90s psychedelic pop is kind of what i okay, would say it's i was like so progressive it's was... not so prog our next i've got some songs some singles that i'm literally going to work on like after this phone call uh that's definitely getting into a little bit more of like a bit more of the progressive feel i'm, I'm starting to get back to a little bit more of that like psych progressive rock sound a little bit um which i feel like has been you know like i've been like long overdue to tap back into that but um yeah man you rest assured that like 
there's like a whole like you know there's 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 a whole world of music just like at our fingertips and we just literally just need the time to put the records out you know that's all it is yeah this is probably my last question because i gotta wrap it up um because you know just the timing but uh yeah no i gotta gotta, gotta get going (laughs) yeah my thing says two hours and 40 minutes i'm like holy shit um uh you also released i don't know like the exact date i know you released a solo album and then you released Uh you released like a you released like a, an EP. I don't, that was more recently. I don't know the exact date, but do you yeah. just out of curiosity, do you like intend to go back into solo stuff ever at any point? Like what was the idea behind doing um, the solo stuff as opposed to doing the band related material? Yeah. Well, like I said, you know, the album you're talking about, that was kind of like in between, you know, like I'm in these bands and like, I have so much, um, I have so much like obsession with art that's like I I create like twice as many songs as like a band could keep up with, you know. So I I I was solo for you know my whole beginning. I was a, I was just like really a recording artist, and I was just like making these like albums. Like I told you, I'll I'll, I'll send you the links to. I don't think that you've actually ever heard any of like the really older stuff. You know the 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 stuff that's not on Spotify. Like the there's OG. some there's some demos on Bandcamp, and I kept I keep meaning to like check them out, but I I just you haven't, check them out. Yeah. I, they're worth it. They're worth it. Now that we've had this conversation, I think that you'll enjoy them. But but they're really raw, but they're so real, man. They're just like yeah, I really still appreciate those albums, but. Um, no, I don't have any intention of going back solo. Like I, the way I look at it, analog dog is both five people, but it's also like, like I, I am analog dog in my heart, you know, like whatever happens in our band and our future, like I intend to continue to make music under this moniker. Um, cause I think that what we're building is both so true to our group, but also like just so true to me. You know, uh, I feel just so connected to all of its ideas and aesthetics. And in that way, I I feel a sense of security uh, that like, I, I really, really hope things pan out for us in the long run. But, um, you know, if, it, if not, like I just, I continue to like, I, I want to make me like analog dog just is right for me. It's just like, that's what it's called now. It's like who I am now is how I view it. So I have no intention of doing anything solo like i'm working on stuff that that like my whole intention is to make anything that sounds like like i want analog bog to be so broad as a genre machine that you know i'm working on like with this other producer like we're working on kind of like i said like it's more of like a like bad boy pop like low like bordering on lo-fi like hip-hop feels and like i have every intention of releasing it as analog dog if I can finesse it right, you know, cause I just want analog dog to be the vehicle for like the total expression. Um, because I want every song that you hear to not be like, you know, I think if you look at my arc, you're like, okay, like, okay. Oh, Dakota, pretty in between. Analog, like you gotta go find hey, Austin was like, you know, it's all these names and it's like, I need to centralize my shit. Yeah. So to your question, it's like, nah, like this is it. Like for as long as it goes, like, this is it. This is what I want to do. This is what I want it to be called. 
Yeah, I, I definitely understand that 100%. Because, like, I know me, and, like, I'm a big fan, and I didn't even know about any of this other, like, bands and stuff for a long time. Mm-hmm. I didn't know for, like, mm-hmm. for like a year until after I found yeah. you or something. Until, and then I was like, um, it, well, and to be fair, I don't even think the Oh, Dakota album was out yet, but, like, pretty in between, and, like, your solo stuff, like, the half of that's, like, all of your solo stuff and half of the pretty in between stuff have been out, and I, I didn't even know that existed. Yeah. So, like, it definitely does get really, especially because, like, and you already have, like, um, you know, genre being, like, so broad with your genres it can both be, like, kind of like a blessing, but it's also is a curse. So, like, that already is, oh, like, yeah. you know, that's already, like, one thing that like is gonna like you can't be like i definitely agree with you on like the thought that like you can't have that and then be like going back and forth but you know they like it's not because you get you get right. like half your fans at once but half in the other and you can't ever like yeah it I, you can't merge them well yeah and that's why again it's just like and that's one of those things too where it's just like it doesn't you know like I just, I'm not worried about like, you know, some people aren't going to like certain songs. Like, I'm sure there's plenty of people who are following Analog Dog who like Disco Danny came out and they're like, what? Like, what? Like, what sound is this? You know? And it's one of those things where it's like, I just am like, dude, it'll all make sense someday. Like, if you're not with me on this big picture, like, I'm not worried about it, you know? Because it's not about like cultivating a specific indie scene and fan base and then giving those specific indie people exactly what they want. It's like, no, I don't give, I don't give a shit. Like what, you know, I want to make people happy with the music and I want you to vibe, but inevitably like I do this for me. I do this cause I, I need to do it and I don't do it to fulfill anybody else's thoughts of like how anything should sound. You know, I inevitably do it, do it cause I have to do it and, and I can write 10,000 songs in 10,000 different ways. And, and I, you know, and I play piano now you'll see uh, some of our new upcoming tracks are going to be like, you know, I've spent the whole quarantine, like getting good at piano, which is also going to be like a big, big shift for us for, to have me on the keyboards um, for some songs. But yeah, man, that's, that's, that's the gist of it. Well, dude, I, th- I think I f- your problem, I-, I know your problem, disco sucks. That's your problem. No, disco kidding. sucks, exactly, dude. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but um, I-, I feel like I definitely, that's one thing I really admire about, like, you, that, like, I feel like a lot of people get into, like, they start out with, like, what they wanted to make musically, but, like, then they get confined into that, because, like, that's their entire fan base is expecting that, and so, like, they keep cranking, but, like, they want to make, you know, I I, I actually really, I know a lot of, I, I unfortunately think that a lot of people aren't fans, but, like, I'm really big on, like, when people do what you're doing and, like, try different things. I love hearing, like, other aspects of artists and like hearing because that's like you know that's the true artist you know a lot of people mm-hmm. just kind of like crank shit out because that's the kind of shit that like mm-hmm. their audience is expecting and um that makes it that gives you like a, a bigger advantage in my book but like um i don't know well, we'll it's see something it's that pays off in the long run yeah it's a long run game all of this all of this is it's long game it's not short game. We're going to have, it's not going to be some little blow up. Like, you know, it's, it, we're not going to like play the algorithms perfect. And then like, well, everybody knows analog dog. No, it's going to be fucking blood, sweat and tears. And it's going to take years and it's going to be a whole thing. But people like you, you'll know you were here. You were here from the beginning. <laughs> I think when people, I think when you do get that fan base though, because that fan base already like 
it's going to be the fan base that's accepted. Like, like I said, this is like yeah. what you're doing is not going to be like, oh, it's ever going to be number one on the but, but you there is a right. fan base out there. And once you get that fan base, like they're going to these are the kinds of people who are like me that are OK with that. And exactly. a lot of people actually want yeah. to hear that. And they're going to exactly. it's going to allow you to continue to do that. And you're going to like I I. You know, that's where, like, I'm with you. Like, it's going to happen. I just, you know, it's yeah. just a matter of time. Yep. Um, exactly, man. And, yeah, exactly. You're the, this is the fan. You're the fan that we're trying to cultivate as somebody who it's not, we're not here. Analog Dog is not a passive listening activity. I am not here to be your background music. Like, there are a million people who can make the perfect song to be your background song like i'm not here to do that like my voice is not intended for that like i don't sound like a background voice like either you fucking like it or you don't but like deal with it because i'm fucking singing you know (laughs) yeah it's just like it's you're speaking to you're doing it's the idea of like you do what you see i don't like that idea i don't like the idea at all that like a lot of people are kind of like oh well we have to compromise a and i guess a little bit yeah. but like a lot of people compromise too much like i i disagree yeah. with the idea that i think that if you do what you and if i think if you have something good and you do what you want to do even if it's not like the popular thing if you have something like you'll people will get that like yeah. people aren't stupid people will see that and like people yeah. will appreciate that and i yeah. you know I, i'm definitely here for the ride i love your material i'm definitely here for the long run <laughs> if it That's if it needs guy. if it needs if i don't care if it takes you know uh, one year <laughs> five years <laughs> 10 years yeah, which is, yeah no man. but I, i'm definitely yeah, here man. all the way man <laughs> <laughs> Dude, we appreciate the support, man, you know, and anybody who's like still fucking listening to this or hearing this, you know, it's like, it's all about, you know, people like you taking interest and like sharing your friends and, you know, just like being excited about what we're doing, you know, it's just definitely means everything to us. So we appreciate that support, man. We definitely like, it's been, it's been really cool to see you like find a, find all the projects and be like, oh shit, like it's not just analog dog. It's like you did like all this shit before and, and you know, now you've got this like long ass recording that, uh, you know, this golden history books is uh, this can be you know this is my it's kind of a wrap up. This is like a summary of a lot of the things I've been working on for the past like ten years, basically. So, yeah, man, I'm I'm like stoked that you kind of had had me sit down and do this. And if anything, you know, it's like a we both now got it on record, and we'll see what happens. You know, I'm you know I'm really happy to have like people like you that that agreed to like come on like you know i'm i'm a literal no name at the moment like nobody knows who i am yeah it's it's you know it's kind of yeah. like it's kind of like that idea like starting from scratch and just like i i really appreciate you coming on and taking a chance on me and of course uh, brother especially like for so long like i i really appreciate like you sitting here for like three hours <laughs> like that that means yeah, a man. lot to me uh, yeah, I mean, I uh, you you asked me the right questions. You you've brought my intrigue for sure. Thank you. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it up here because uh, uh, it's already way too fucking long. But I do wanna I do want to uh, j- just say before we head off that I know you have a show in a few days. That's gonna end up happening before this airs. Um, mm-hmm. but assuming this is the 
the first one I release, which it is going to be. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, yeah, with how long it is, it's going to make the pilot. Uh, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong in any of this information, I believe you have a concert on August 20th at, in San Francisco at Amato's. Is that the place mm-hmm. it? Yep, 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 yep. Um, and I just I just wanted to like acknowledge that real quick. So like anybody who's in San Francisco uh, can go check uh, can go check you out and go check Analog Dog out. Um, if there's still tickets left, but this is gonna air like days before the concert. So if there's still tickets left, um, yeah, yeah, definitely. definitely, yeah, definitely. I I definitely would recommend seeing Analog Dog because. I, I I like I'm not kissing ass when I say I love your guys' material. Like you you're one of you're one of my favorite current bands right now. And I'm I'm super uh super happy that you agreed to come on. Thank you so much. Of course, bro. It's my absolute pleasure, man. We'll uh we'll we'll be in touch, man. Thanks for having me and keep you know, keep keep doing this, man. I I had I had a friend who was doing something similar. I think that my advice to you would be like, you gotta stick with it. You know, and you got to continue. Just it's all about consistency, you know. Yeah. Just I, keep doing it. You know, the first one nobody's gonna listen to, and nobody's gonna give a shit. But like by the tenth one, you know, it's like oh, like he's doing something. You know, because a lot of people try and do podcasts. Important to just try and try and get a flow for yourself. You know. Well, there's there's also this idea of I feel like people are um way really impatient. I feel like there's like this idea of like the overnight success. It's like that's not how things work it's like yeah like you said you have to like like you said when the first episode comes out like it's gonna get like nothing and then like you have to keep going and then the second one will probably get nothing and the third one might get a few people but it's still you have to like just accept that that's how it's gonna be and like just keep cranking them out like because it's you know it just and that goes that kind of goes with a lot of things you know like even like music you gotta get everything man yeah um yeah whatever you want to do it's persistence man consistency and persistence is the key yeah all right they, well uh, yeah i gotta i gotta drop it off here also i'm gonna like not be able to edit it down but thank thank you so much for coming on austin all right my guy i'll talk to you soon buddy yeah talk to you later Take it easy, man. Man.